Well, welcome to episode 83 of Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted, guest host James Foley on the line, and my co-host for all 83 shows so far, Wacey Anderson from downtown, downtown Calgary, Alberta. The downtown division. Yeah, the downtown. The downtown core, the, the group of, uh, of folks. Foley's getting his microphone dialed in. Yeah, would you guys say that you're serious now or still getting to know you staged? Like, we're serious. For sure, we're serious. Like, we're known, I've known Ted for a long time now. Like, a long time. I think we've talked about how we met the first time, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's we, been, we'd have met, like, I think it was, like, 2012 would have been the first year we met, actually. Yeah, met. I think so. And then I so. when I moved to Calgary, I moved into Ted, so it's definitely past serious. Yeah. Oh, we know each other. Serious. It's past serious. Yeah. Like, we know each yeah. other. Yeah. 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 That's I've seen tough. his horn. <laughs> But that was just at hockey. So that's normal. Yeah. That wasn't in at the house. <laughs> well, you know, uh, some crazy shit has happened at 4620, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the craziest shit that's happened at 4620, though, is. What would be? Man, if those walls could talk, dude. I bet, like, I bet you one of the like, top five craziest like, sequences or like few days of things was that the one stampede, my first stampede at the house. When I had like people who just kept sleeping over and fucking was that the one where Lonnie was there and he was screaming? At yeah, one yeah. And I was like trying to tell him to shut the fuck up because like people were trying to sleep and he that was when he has a broken leg and he's just being rambunctious. Like, dude, like yeah. I'm gonna kick you out of this fucking place. Yeah. It's that... a, like when we say when we say that 4620 is like a halfway home for like rodeo cowboys, it's we wholeheartedly mean it. It's 2020 was a low year for uh for the amount of people that were there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a all-time low. Like we were counting before you moved out that there would there had been over a hundred different people that have stayed at the house. Like I think we we're at one ten before the pandemic. It was a lot, and that was just like off the top of our head the that was what we could remember we talking about yeah. it. Yeah. That the place would be a COVID over. hot zone. Yeah, COVID that, hot if you've if you've ever stayed at forty six twenty, you are immune to COVID. <laughs> <laughs> well I guess pre reno pre renos, pre renos. Before at post renos it's it's not as it's better now. Scary. It's not as scary downstairs. Yeah, you didn't live there downstairs. You I, I, I like caught by a few times, as, and when Cody was living in the basement. Yeah, it was a little sketchy at that point. That's funny. Um, okay, boys, you got some top or sorry, go ahead, waste. What else? I, I I was gonna move into something. I was thinking about this the other day. It's kind of a two part thing. Um, do you guys think that this whole like pandemic and like restriction stuff is the end of like nightclub culture and like nightclubs themselves? No, Things they're already back. back. They're already back in Asia. I think like Thailand guess, and even yeah. in Wuhan. Like I think it's. I think they're already back. That shit ain't going I mean, away. That's for that's for that's stop number one for waste cowboys as soon as this shit's open. Nah, again. But it's like I was thinking about that, that. So that ties into the next thing I was gonna say, where it's like it's gonna be weird going to an event, like even like a flames game on a crowded concourse, like with all the people. I remember just going to flames games when they're just packed as like hell oh, yeah. hell. It's gonna be weird as fuck. Like I'm like I think get, get away from I me, think man. the the life of masks is is here to stay. Like there, there's people that are gonna wear a mask now from today till they die they die well like in calgary here we're we're at least till the end of the year like this year we have to wear them 2021 really yeah they they pass it like before the new year but i think that's just so they don't have to go back and like keep extending it every month i think that's like a little bit no i for yeah yeah whatever it doesn't really matter to me it's just it's one of those things where it's just like yeah if i'm able to go do stuff wearing a mask i'll wear a mask whatever fuck okay yeah yeah exactly we gotta get it done kind of like well i guess we should just get right into it too like are you guys going to get the vaccine? I've had people ask me and they're like, Oh, I'm not getting that fucking vaccine. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm I'll, probably, I'll get, 
I'll get the vaccine like when it's available to me. Yeah. If it means I can go back to work sooner than there's been a lot of like people sharing articles of like some people who have like died from getting it, That's but it's bullshit. all been, it's, but it's all been people who've had like other diseases on top of what, and that like that's where the complications um like were like obviously fatal so, to them so, so they died from the vaccine that doesn't sound right no they didn't die no like so they like there's some side effects that you get from the vaccine and they're very rare and but they people like the diseases that they had already combined with the side effects from the vaccine is what killed them hmm. okay but that but they, but it but just like were... it's, it's all set up as clickbait articles for people because it oh, says so like, oh, 10 people have died because of the covid vac after getting covid vaccine where they don't share in the initial stuff oh. all the underlying stuff so anyways i'll oh, i'll like once dude. once it's once it's available to me i'll definitely be getting the vaccine yeah i'll really? get it too yeah 100 100 it's fucking science man i trust science those they're they've you know doctors they went to school a little bit longer than me so i trust those guys mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh, okay now that we're all over that topic i guess we gotta get into this uh <laughs> full you had a story that you wanted to tell last time that we never got into I, I i had it written oh. down at one point but i forgot what the what it was and then i got another thing yeah, about green kings we gotta talk about green kings too oh yeah the giveaway okay so first of all <laughs> this story i meant to say it on the last episode i totally forgot so be like two weeks ago i wake up at two in the morning and there's a beeping in my house steady beeping like beep beep and i'm like what the fuck is this beeping i'm standing naked in my bedroom trying to figure <laughs> out where the beeping's coming from Put on a pair of pants, stand in my kitchen, beep, beep. Can't figure it out. So go back to bed, wake up like an hour later, still beeping, figure out it's somewhere in my, in my basement. Um, the city of Lloyd Minster, like last two years ago, put this new water meter in my house. So I walk downstairs and I can hear the beeping. And then I'm like, it's this fucking water meter. So 8 a.m. on a Sunday, I call the city of Lloyd. This poor lady answers the phone. And I'm like, get somebody over here before I rip this fucking water meter out of my oh, no. plumbing. And she's like, well, what's it doing? I'm like, it's beeping. She's like, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody complain about that. I'm like, no, no, this thing is beeping. Like get somebody over here right now. So five minutes later, a guy calls me. He's like, I'm on my way over to your house to fix this. What's your water meter doing? I said, it's beeping. He's like, okay, put, put your phone by it so I can hear it. So I put it by the water meter. And I hear this beep again. And I was like, man, that wasn't from the water meter. I looked up and there's a fire alarm right above it that I didn't even know was there. And the battery's dead. So I, oh, I got no. mad at a lady. The thing took my <laughs> sleep and it was a nine volt battery that I just had to replace. You just went on a war path oh, no. for the city of Lloyd oh. You're just like <laughs> raising hell. Poor it's lady Sunday, Sunday morning took a, took a, a lipping oh. from me and it wasn't even her fault. Meanwhile, I apologize. Doesn't even have fucking batteries. It's not even something it can beep. <laughs> the guy on the phone's like, "Yeah, I didn't think that was the issue, but I was gonna come help you anyways." <laughs> Man, you're probably better. You're you're so lucky that you didn't show up there and have to just like, ah, uh, dude, this is your fucking fire. The embarrassed. Oh, embarrassment. fuck, man! I That's was so, so mad, so oh, mad dear. at two in the morning. Oh dear, that would that do would it. be a that rough one. Well, at least yeah. you know your uh, the fire alarm is gonna work now. I thought you were gonna say your carbon monoxide was going off, and then you passed out, and you woke up three hours later, and you were all right or something. But no, 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 that'd be like life and death. Alarm. You'd be dead at that point, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess yeah, you wouldn't even. You there's no waking up. There's no waking up. There's no waking up from that. Yeah, that's a one way. That's a one way ticket, man. Oh, brutal, <laughs> brutal. 
Uh, so we got into uh, we got into was it on the podcast where you asked about Green Kings? Is that no, that was our, was our personal group chat. Oh, okay, yeah, group chat. Okay, yeah. the Green Kings. So back when I was a kid, you were you guys a couple of you guys were kind of doubting me that I knew what a Green King was. I was I doubted you. I doubted you. I doubted. I doubted. I didn't know. But hundred so, percent thought you didn't know. But so so for those that didn't know Wacy and James uh well so my my mom uh, worked at a at the Edson oil cleaning facility for I don't know how many years but it was before she bought the answering service in Drayton Valley and I was telling you guys the story but it was uh it was in Edson Alberta over there like an hour and a half from uh from Drayton Valley on the number on the on the yellowhead just like I guess, I guess it's like probably two and a half hours from Edmonton kind of thing straight west on the way to Jasper but uh but Edson, so mom would drive an hour and a half there every day from our house in Drayton and go up there. And then I remember spending Christmas there a few times and spent a lot of different times. But the we the Green Kings would all get washed in this old uh, this old washer and dryer setup that was in one of the one of the like buildings there. But that it was like wire rollers, and we had to like feed the gloves through. And like they were all mom and dad were always real careful with us, like don't you know you got to like just just feed it in real easy, otherwise you'll lose your hands because it was just these rollers. That they like, don't want to get your fucking fingers cut in there. Yeah, just squish dried these green kings because they just had hundreds of those things that they went through all the time. They were all black from the oil and everything they used to work with there. But that was some of my early memories as a kid. I remember one time that we had like one of those old foamies, like the green foamies, and it was Christmas time. We were in this old camp shack, probably an Aco trailer or something. But the uh, the foamy, I remember going in back to like one of the bedrooms in this foamy. I think my brother and I had bunk beds in this thing. We, when we were staying there for Christmas and there was a foamy somehow up against a, a light bulb. I remember it was like, I saw it smoking and I was like, holy shit. And I was like five, four or five years old. And I pulled this foamy off thing, off the light bulb that was going to burn the trailer, the Aklo trailer down. I thought I was, thought I was pretty cool for saving the day so that the house didn't burn down from a foamy burning on a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, Ted knows what green Kings are. Yeah. Doesn't mind. <laughs> yeah. The old days in uh, at the Edson oil cleaning facility. Foley, which, what's which the what's can- the what's the best piece of advice you've ever received working in the oil field? In the patch, uh, the best piece of advice, mm-hmm. the most useful. Yeah, don't put your hands where you wouldn't put your dick. Man, that was gonna be mine, <laughs> you fucker. Hundred <laughs> percent, you son of a 100, bitch. Hundred <laughs> percent, you use that life to like every day in your life you oh that like is that, that like, like phrase is burned in my mind like if i look oh, at yeah. somebody, i'm just like want to put my dick in there no don't put your hands there <laughs> and for, for females who don't have a penis pretend you do when you go to mm-hmm. put your hand somewhere and be like hey if i had one would i put it there no you wouldn't i'm not putting my hands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that'll save you a lot of trouble in life is that Which goes- <laughs> that's a valuable piece of advice like you're super valuable it does. And it goes back to Teddy's story is we had a Agreed. group chat and, and I said, um, I'm willing to do, we'll do some kind of giveaway on me. If, if Ted knows what green Kings are, which I thought for sure I had this in the bag. Turns <laughs> out he does. So now luckily for all of our listeners, Cowboy shit's going to do a sick giveaway. Thanks to thanks me to- and Cowboy shit and Teddy for knowing <laughs> his shit. And somebody's going to, maybe two people, maybe win some hats or something. Yeah. We'll put a couple prize packs together and uh, we should and have, we'll, uh, we should have asked know. Teddy a way harder question. Like if you knew like push slaps are. Yeah. That one. No idea. Mm. No idea. You ever got yeah. push slaps fully? Yeah. But I think, I think, I think that I just didn't think Teddy knew what green Kings were. It just, and now two lucky listeners get to look get a sweet prize. Cool. Thanks yeah. to your bet. Thanks to your Thanks ill-advised to bet. bet. It worked out. 
Whoever wins, you're welcome. If it's in a core blunt song, chances are I might I have a better chance of knowing what it is. He does, but in saying that though, he doesn't really describe what Green Kings are. He just mentions them. No. So if you're not no. like, if you're not familiar with the oil patch, you might not know. But it's in the same line as filthy frozen oil covered coveralls or something. Like there, oh, there cover, are oil covered. So he doesn't like mention that they're like it could be a, coveralls. Could be Sounds coveralls. Like could be some something. Sort. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. True. Fair enough. Um. So what else we got on this one? I got I had Bitcoin written down too. You guys, know man, that's Bitcoin? crazy, man. I wish I would like one of the things I wish I would have done. Like I don't even it's not even really a regret, but when I was working on the rigs and had all the money that I had, I wish I would have bought some like Bitcoin. I had some had some education or knowledge on that kind of stuff because you'd be fucking loaded right now. You guys hear about the two guys who lost their passwords to their Bitcoin yeah, no, accounts? No. It's in, like two, in they two. There's a guy in Cal. There's a guy in the states and a guy in the in the UK. And they've lost like their password to their crypto accounts. And there's, they both have over like 220 million worth of Bitcoin in these accounts. Oh and they're going to, and if they can't find it, like you only have a certain number of tries to get into your account. And then after that, it's gone. No way. Can't get it. Yeah. Oh. And the one, the one guy in the UK, he had his stored on a hard drive, an old hard drive. And he forgot to like, and it didn't copy over to when he transferred it properly. So he can't, he, he, he like he can't find it any other way. He has to go off. Well, isn't it? Is, yeah, isn't it in like a landfill? And he's like paying people a whole bunch of money yeah. to look through this landfill to find this hard drive. But they won't let him go in the landfill because of the fumes from the garbage. Oh no. Yeah, but he the, oh, but he put it in the landfill like ten years ago. Oh yeah, no chance he's finding it. Oh, no, game, fuck, it's no, long game gone. over. Fuck, You're an yeah. idiot. You're an idiot, That's buddy. So crazy, though, yeah. How would you know? That's nuts. Yeah, I don't know, man. Totally it's it's so volatile like i'm like sean sean or one of our friends mentioned one of that, that company from jim heller who's been mining it and like I, I bought a few shares in it and it's been like fluctuating like one day it's up a bunch and then that one day it's down so much so i don't i don't know what to think of it man what do you guys do with investing where where are you at in the investing world you've been reading some books right ways uh yeah i, I mostly and then like stuff i've learned in school like i most at this point in my life i want to do mostly just passive investing Mm-hmm. So like, like, like with ETFs and, and that kind of stuff, uh, just because I've, something I read showed that until you have a certain amount of wealth built up already, it doesn't really make sense to like, like do like investing and like, like, like be heavy in the, in the, the trading end of things, just cause you don't have that wealth to play around with. Right. Huh. And the best way to accumulate wealth is through like passive investing through like those ETFs and NTFSAs and RSPs and stuff. Okay. GICs, GICs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. so well you fully yeah. where are you at the, the you're probably the uh, elder statesman on the pod today besides our editor sean morton yeah i know he's an investor yeah. i i was in a few oil and gas companies and then when it Ooh. when things kiboshed i uh licked the plate some would say and uh and then i haven't really bought back in it the the market's so volatile right now um i think like wacy said if you have that that uh, income where you know what I mean, you can stick ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars into something, and if you make ten, great. If you lose ten, well, whatever. Um, right now, I'm just kind of waiting and seeing. Bitcoin, I don't know. I think that was one of those things that you either won some, you lose some, right? Yeah, yeah so you're just one of like a people like who had an inside line. But yeah. I've been using I've been using Well Simple since I, I moved my TFSA over to that, and then I've invested in some ETFs and stuff. <laughs> bought a few like cheaper stocks just to like some penny stocks like like tech stocks just to see Try what they do stuff out, see what yeah happens. but as like i said mostly like my stuff like to like accumulate a certain number amount of wealth i'll just be doing like passive investing what's the number what do they say what do you got to have to be able to go 50,000 oh really 
Yeah, they said it's a good number. Yeah, to really to where you really start like jet like accumulating more wealth like through trading, um, like like more active trading as opposed to like the passive side of it. That you I mean, have to, but like, is that yeah, like day trading? Like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If you're buying like buying and selling stocks and like more so like more riskier investments, mm-hmm. like because like like ETFs and like the passive like model is more like medium risk, so medium to low risk, because you like you buy a, a certain amount of a of a group of stocks, right? kind of like a mutual fund yeah exactly yeah exactly so like the one etf i have it's like the s&p 500 so it's like all like fortune 500 companies and it's Mm -hmm. like just into one stock yeah yeah so cool cool Mm -hmm. man good to see you're rolling on some of that but we'll uh i guess we'll wrap up this part of the show we'll come back after this with our uh our guest this week luke kaufman coming up after uh after the break Singer-songwriter from North Carolina. He's brought us some of the most authentic country music in our generation. Direct from the back of the buck and shoots. Song titles include BRSOB, the one you just heard. We'll get into that a little bit further down the road. Bronkin, Above the Law, Out All Night. But it's not only the music. He's one of the top announcers in Western sports. Co-founder and general manager of Ultimate Bullfighters. He's a man that wears many hats. All of them cowboy. Please welcome to the show, Luke Kaufman. What an intro, Teddy. Nice work. <laughs> Did you write that down? Yeah, do you like do you write wanna, that down? That was nice. That do you was, want do you want me to send you that for uh, future intros? Put that on your website, like Luke. Put that on your I can, website. I can send you that if you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna have people announce that before I walk into a room. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I wanna make it I I try to do my best on those things, but for but for friends, I want to make sure it's real good. So I'm glad you liked it, pal. I have a hard question to start off the show. As like as a musician, do you ever like is it weird to hear your songs like playing on like the radio or like at an event or something? Like do you find it like or is it like, oh shit, that's me? Like I've always wondered that. Absolutely. Uh, it's weird as shit every time. <laughs> like it just it's like nails on the chalkboard. Like especially like that music. The the music I made when I was like young, like you're talking, I mean, shit, man. I'm I'm 33 years old, so you're talking about music that was made when I was 18, 15 mm-hmm. years ago. And like, even the sound of my voice is sound like a damn baby face kid, you know, it's just weird. <laughs> and, and I mean, I appreciate it. Like I will every once in a while, like if I'm driving cross country or if I'm going to a bull ride or something and I'm, uh, and I'm got all night or something and uh, I'll turn, I'll turn on an album and just listen to it all the way through because that's how albums, like the album, the few albums that I've made, you, you, 
you're supposed to listen to them in their entirety. That's how music is supposed to be listened to, you know, mm-hmm. start to finish because you're trying to tell kind of a story. Most, most albums are anyways. So I'll listen to them and think, Oh, what the hell is I thinking on that shit? But uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it doesn't, you don't get used to it. It's weird. Same thing with announcing, like you hear, like, you know, when you hear clips from the PBRs and stuff, it's like, if you're scrolling through Facebook and there's a PBR clip come up and I'm on there, I'm like, Wow, I sound like an eight-year-old boy there. Real, it's brutal. Real it's, it's even like this, man. I'd probably listen to three episodes of this podcast front to back just because I hate hearing my voice so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned like your couple albums and stuff. Uh, talk about the process of being like a smaller musician, like making an album. Like how does that process work? Like did you do most of the production like yourself or did you have to contract out a team or how did that work? Oh, I, I every album that I've made, I've produced in or around a kitchen countertop um i never i've done i've done a lot of studio work with a lot of other people but it's all been uh it's all been stuff organic because i mean i've always always kind of had a knack for computers and i always liked the recording side of it uh but yeah we i would record tunes uh in sunny leopard's uh living room you know and we we would (laughs) we set up one microphone in the middle of the room uh that would be our scratch track and then from there you build the drums, then you build the bass, then you build the music, then you bring in, you know, a bunch of background vocalists. Uh, We would do all kinds of stuff, Uh, just anything creative to try and make it happen. Uh, I love producing music. I like recording. It's just like, it's the same as like event production. I just, I like the the nuts and bolts of stuff. I think it's really cool. Um, If it were, if it weren't for that, I probably wouldn't have even fooled with it in the first place. I just love that process. I think it's, it's pretty cool. So I, and I still do that to this day. Like I'll, I'll just get my phone out and record something because now you can pretty much record anything anywhere. I mean, look at us. We're making up a, a show basically, you know, on our, on our computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I love that deal. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to stay on this train. Cause I'm curious how this all worked. So, mm-hmm. so is it, was it just the two of you or did you have like the whole, was there more than just you and Sonny for a lot of that stuff? Like you're saying you're adding other elements, but like I talked to Richard today, Jones, and he says, you know, you know how to play the piano, you know, you know how to play the bass. Like, is this you basically adding all these layers together yourself, like you and Sonny, or is it, are there more, more than just the two of you? Like, what does that look like? I'm curious about this now too. There, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, the cool thing about music is it's, you know, it's a creative, we have this creative <laughs> vibe. We all try to act like uppity art artists, you know, and wear fedoras <laughs> and crazy shit like that. But really it's like, it gives us an excuse to, you know, get drunk, smoke weed and stay up really late because that's, <laughs> that's what I did, you know, because that's, I mean, that's what it was, you know, because, because, you know, I, I was 18 and I got introduced to Sonny Leopard. Well, if you've ever listened to any Sonny Leopard music, he's a party guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, if you've ever been to a PBR after party that I played at, I was known as a little bit of a fucking party guy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I tried to bring that, I tried to put that into my music as much as I can and make it real because I, I really did. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to sell music so I could get on the damn radio. I was trying to ke- sell music that would get me laid and, and shit that the bull riders <laughs> would like, you know what I mean? Like I'm just, that, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and you hit that mark. You hit and that I mean, mark. so we would, we would get, I mean, yeah, we, we would get together and we would go to, uh, we would go to bars and we would go and drink right there in town where Sonny and I lived, um, you know, uh, there in Mooresville. And we would go out and we'd stay out till 10 o'clock at night and we'd drink some beer, hang out and we'd come back. And then, and then we'd turn on the studio and we would be in there till four o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it would be me and Sonny. Sometimes, uh, 
Uh, it'd be a couple other singers. It'd be a, a bass player. It'd be a drummer. It would be my drummer. It'd be Robbie Hodges. It would be JB would be there one night. Like it's just whoever was around, you know, we'd get in there and that would give us inspiration. Uh, and, and that's, that's what, that was what I loved about music. Uh, still is. I mean, it's just the, it's just like bull riding, man. I mean, the, the bull riding and the sport when you're there at the event, that's cool. But, but some of the coolest stories and some of the coolest feelings that, that the three of us have ever had have just been going back and forth up and down the road or, or after an event, you know, just hanging out, you know, back behind the shoots you know, getting ready to go to the next event, like all that kind of stuff. It, the same thing kind of correlates into music. Um, so it was pretty cool, but yeah, I, I learned to be pretty versatile. I learned, and I learned all that from Sonny. Uh, he taught me how to play the piano. Uh, I learned how to play bass, how to do all the recording stuff, uh, how to play with a MP machine, uh, basically like a DJ turntable type deal. Uh, just all kinds of stuff. Just, just trying to be versatile, you know, uh, because it, you know, you, you'll always end up using it, you know? So when it, like going into the production end of it, like, did you release all of your music on like digital services or did you actually like release CDs or vinyl and stuff? Like, how does that go? Like, how do you go from like, actually recording the music and making it and then actually like distributing it. I, uh, the first, so when I first started getting with those guys and recording music, uh, you know, you could dump it out of pro tools, which is the app you use to, to create your music and stuff. That's kind of what all the major studios, that's what everybody in music uses pretty much. Uh, you could dump out a CD and get like, you know, just a little burnt CD of your songs. Mm -hmm. So when I first had it, I mean, these were all songs that I'd written. So I would go back to my house and I would burn a hundred copies of it and write on a Sharpie, <laughs> Luke Goffman, and I'd go send them out of the four items. Uh, and that, listen to my mixtape. So listen was, to my mixtape. I mix mean, tape. that's old school. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Fast, awesome. like it. Like I yeah. would, because at that time I was starting to announce a little bit. So I would go, you know, like I, I can remember vividly going to Fort Worth one time to the stockyards and uh, everybody was up there at Cadillacs uh, at the top of the hill and the DJ was up there playing tunes. And I had this, I had one CD in my pocket and I took it to the guy. Like I purposely went in there to give it to this guy. And he's like, he's like, what is this? I was like, it's me. He's like, is, are any of them worth the fuck? And I'm like, yeah, play number eight. <laughs> and it was BRSOB. And like, I played it in there and I was kind of like, okay, cool. And everybody's kind of looking around, you know, it's, it's a bar, it's half as a club. Like nobody's even paying attention to it, you know? Mm -hmm. So nobody even noticed that I played it, but it was cool for me, you know? Uh, and now <laughs> like fast forward to now, like shit, I don't even, I don't even, I don't, I couldn't even find a CD, you know, of mine uh, mm -hmm. somewhere. I think I got a box of them somewhere in North Carolina, but yeah, man, uh, it's, it's definitely come a long way. The digital part of it, everything's so accessible with your phones now, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can up, I can, I can record something on my phone, have it uploaded to iTunes in an hour. You know, it's, it's crazy. Well, that, that's how I initially found your music. I remember the first time I ever heard like BRSLB and stuff. It was cool. Like it was like the, really the first, one of the first artists like geared solely towards like bull riding and stuff and like telling the story of that like through music was so cool to hear it's like like chris ledoux esque almost we don't we don't yeah. get much of that in the yeah, mainstream I, now I, I, the first concert i ever went to i was yeah i, I saw chris ledoux when i was 12 years old and the next day i went and told my dad like this was like in the fall it was pretty close to christmas i was like i want a guitar for christmas like give me one i like i'll do whatever it takes i'll go buy one if i have to uh, Chris will do set it off for me. And I, and I always had that influence. I always wanted to, I wanted to be like him, but I, I never wanted to copy him, mm -hmm. uh, because that's not, you know, it's all about being original for me. I'm, 
I'll, I'll tell you anybody that knows me, I, I always try to do something different just for the sake of not doing anything that anybody else does. I'm trying to, trying to do it my own way. Uh, and he, Chris will do might not necessarily approve with some of my lyrics, some of my tactics, <laughs> but with the intentions. There. Well, there's some pretty wild Chris Ledoux stuff. If you get back into some of those stories too, though, I don't know. I don't know how many people, how many people know them or are allowed to talk about them, but he had some pretty wild times too. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he was a pioneer. I mean, you get, you get any group of Cowboys together and you tell stories. It's you're going to, you're going to find some, you're going to find some <laughs> good stories out of it. I, I, had, I had one more music question. It's kind of a, kind of a fun one. It's, it's kind of like, it's been a cool question that now since we've been able to like interview more people, like artists and musicians and stuff that I've wanted to ask everybody is like, is there, is there like a certain song that you like absolutely loathe having to play at a show, but you know, you have to like play it. Mm, <laughs> not really. Uh, oh. the, the rank, the rank riders anthem. Uh, that was like, so I made that song that the cool, the funny thing about that song, uh, Sonny and I, we were putting stuff together for my album and, and he was like, man, you need a, you need a, like, and it was all stuff that, I mean, if you go listen to the rest of my album, that first song on there, Rank Riders Anthem, it sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, I, <laughs> like I had, you know, I had, uh, uh, I had auto-tune on my vocals. Like that was the only song that I had auto-tune on there. Like just, I, I just went so over the top of that song uh, because Sonny, we were, we were watching the PBR one night and he was like, man, you've you got to have a song that they open the show up with. Cause they were playing some, some yodely shit. I don't know what they were playing, <laughs> but he's like, you should have a song that, that they play like right before the thing starts, like something that kicks this thing off. And, uh, and so, and so we started working on it and I just wrote the song. Like it was just a little acoustic track. And he said, I'm going to the studio. He said, I'm going to work on it. And then you, you, you let me know what you think. So he actually flew to Miami and went and met with a producer and like, they got together and they started doing all this stuff and he would send me little clips. I was at a bull riding somewhere and I, and I could hear it and it didn't even sound like the same song. I'm like, what you, like, I couldn't even tell what he was doing, trying to piece all the stuff together. And then finally he's like, okay, this is it. This is like the rough scratch version. And he sends it to me. I'm like, holy shit and the first thing i did when i got it done when i finally got it mastered i sent it to chuck lopeman who's the guy that played music at the pbrs for mm -hmm. years and i'm like hey man i made this song i i want you to have it i want you to play it at pbrs like if you would like it'd be my honor uh it'd be cool and so the first time the pbr went to at&t stadium in dallas uh for the i think it was an iron cowboy that was the first time they your kobe one that was the the pyro song yeah that was the pyro song so, and, and that was actually one of the first times that on CBS sports, I was in Oregon. I was in, I was touring in Oregon and like, it was a big deal. This P all the PBRs at Cowboys stadium. Like we got to watch it. I turned it on the TV at the bar. Like we were doing sound check cause we were two hours ahead of them. And then they go to a live shot of the arena. And I was like, Holy shit, that's my song. Like that's the one time <laughs> I did fangirl that I did freak out. That <laughs> I was like, that's my song. Man. Like that's cool. Uh, and so that song, I mean, everybody loves that song. Every, I mean, that's my most popular song on iTunes, I think next to above the wall. Um, but it's just, it's so overproduced. And if you ever, I mean, you guys have seen me play guitar. Like mm -hmm. I like just sit up there with a the guitar. So I don't loathe playing that song, but it's just, everybody wants to hear that song, but they love hearing that big produced version. It's a different experience for I, sure. to this day. I've never had, yeah. Yeah. I've never had a big enough, uh, band, uh, I've never had a big enough band to, to give them the full produced version of that song. So that, that would be the only song, uh, that I would say that, but I mean, you know, it's all music that I created, so I don't have a problem playing with it from time to time, but that's just, I, I have artistic freedom. I play whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, man, I got we get we're gonna have to go on music for a while here because there's just too much cool stuff to to go on here. Like the first thing I just wrote down here is is uh, your thoughts on swear words in music at events. What what are your thoughts on that? Like that Ooh, was, that's a good question. Wow. I I get worried about playing playing swear words. Like if 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 a song says fuck or if it says shit. Like I'm I'm not as worried about shit now. But the f bomb's a little bit too much when we're when it's a family crowd. I think. What, but but some of it, like I can't do that. Play an f word at the Calgary Stampede. I think that's a bit too much. But I might be able to get away with one at Slim's bull riding at Clooney. Like I don't think Slim would mind. But it's still a family show, so I take a lot of pride in trying not to play any swears. But I mean, where are we at with where are we at with that, Luke? Like, what do you what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I mean, you got to remember, a lot of those shows are family shows, and and I get I'm guilty of it. You know, I get in the moment, I get excited and you go listen to me like in the short round of the bull ride and I'll say, he's going to ride this bull. He doesn't give a damn what anybody thinks or whatever. And I like some people kind of like say, Oh, Hey, he said that. But <laughs> the thing is like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say shit. I'm not going to say son of a bitch or, you know, any of that stuff like that. But you know, I get excited when people get excited, people use cuss words. When people get scared, they use cuss words. Like I, in bull it events for me, like I want people to feel those emotions. Like I, I think it's cool that you kind of flirt that line. You know, there's some people that say, Oh no, 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 you can't do that. But, but I mean, I think you're on the right track. I don't, I, I'm not saying run around and say fuck, you know, <laughs> on the microphone or even use it. in. in the, I think, I think there's a tasteful, you know, I mean, you go watch gone with the wind, you know, they, you know, he said, Frank, frankly, Scarlet, my dear, I don't give a damn. You know, that, that was the guy that, that tried to step out there and tow that line. That was the first time cuss words were used in motion pictures. And now look at us, you know, every, yeah. every, every movie. Look at watch, watch Deadpool. In and out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you, you got to remember, cause I mean, you know, I, I'm a dad, so I, you know, I, I got, I want to think about it. You know, I, I want to, cause you, you know, you, you can't control it. It's one thing when it's on TV, cause you can just change the channel, but when you're at a live event, you're there, you know, you're, you're part of that, you know, you got to listen to what, what they're sending out to you. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, I think too, a thing to be caught, con- like, especially in this day and age with like how big of a voice everybody has, like given their social platforms, like all it takes is for someone to hear, like have a bad like experience with a swear word at an event, like for via music or whatever. And they all have to do is do a Facebook review or like a tweet about it. And then all of a sudden it just like, derails you where like like that really gotta like take into account that like family aspect of it for sure we're like but like for like ranchmans though like you like you announced there and ted's on the music like you could be a little bit more edgy at ranchmans you play like crazy bitch and like all those stuff because it's a different crowd and people like can appreciate that because they have to have a party and stuff and there's no kids allowed right yeah yeah grown grown up like a grown-up event you know bulls after dark like the, the, mm-hmm. the stampede does that's a that's an adult crowd you know that's mm-hmm. a that's a that's a grown-up crowd you know that you could do i, I think that I think that, that you got a little more leeway there and, you know, people want to listen to that. I mean, I'm, don't get me like, you listen to anybody that's ever worked with me, like a bull riding, like Ted, Brad, uh, Richard, Taylor Bellis, like what I, I like to hear rap. Like I want to hear rap. Like that's, that's yeah. my jam. Like I'll mm-hmm. get down with it. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain about playing any of that stuff. That's, that's, that's what I like to listen to. And, and, you know, you, you got to think about that too. You know, the people that, that bought a ticket, like, there, there are a lot of rap fans that go and watch bull rides, believe it or not, you know? So, so you play something that they know they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. But whether it's got curse, curse words in it or not. I, I, I gotta ask about new music, Luke, where are you at on the, on that process? I think you probably, you've probably been too busy announcing and doing events and production and, you know, with the bullfights, you've probably been too busy lately, but I, I'm curious if you got anything cooking that way. What does that look like? Uh, uh, 
oh shit i'm i'm tim ply on the new music bud i'm i'm uh, <laughs> way behind on that shit man i'm i've got like uh i've got i've got tons of songs i've got dozens of songs that are just sitting there stuff that i that i wrote on the phone stuff that i that i made that i recorded in the studio eight years ago that i just haven't had time to get out man i just I've been I've been really really lucky, man. I've I've been busy. I've probably worked in the last seven years, you know, excluding last year. I've probably worked a hundred events every single year, and no shit, a hundred events. You know, if you count the ten days in Vegas, you know, the all the all the trade shows and all the the long duration events. Like I've I've worked a hundred days out of the year for the last seven eight years straight, and that's mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Uh, there's not a lot of people that can say that. So so I kind of took it took advantage of that and just stayed busy and tried to make myself better and, and make my name better. So yeah, I, I haven't got into it, but there it's the time's coming. It's coming around. So I'm gonna have to do something one of these days. <laughs> Otherwise I'm going to be obsolete. <laughs> is it, is it much of a goal now though? Like, like it seems like it, it's been kind of on the back burner for a while. I guess, I guess really that's, I don't, I don't know if that's where you were going with it, Wacy, but, but, but your, your goals have slightly changed since then. You've, you've, you're the, uh, one of the main announcers on the velocity tour. You, you're, a major part of the, of, you know, the, you're the GM of, of the UBF. Like you, you kind of have some different, different focus right now, honestly. And, and, and that's what it has been for the last seven years, basically. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah. I've got different goals now, but the, they don't take away from the music. What's the whole thing with my music kind of being sidelined is, is really honestly the industry itself. Like uh, the industry's hard. Like music is any, any musicians you talk to like that. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's a, don't get me wrong. It's a fun job. I love it but it's so hard. I mean, with like talking about how accessible music is, music is very accessible. Like people can download it. People can get it easier than anything. But what that does is that takes away what little profits that artists get. You know, I was, I was making really good money when iTunes was the sole proprietor of getting downloadable music online. Uh, I was making big checks. I mean, I was paying my, I was paying mortgage and all my bills just with my iTunes check and every, every dollar I was making announcing or going to play shows, that was money I was blowing, you know? Uh, but now it's, it's just so different that, you know, Spotify, like I'm not single, I'm not, don't think I'm on here bitching about Spotify. Like you I think can, Spotify if you want. Awesome. I have, Spotify. <laughs> I play, I pay, I pay for it every month. Uh, but you know, when, when you do the math, you know, and you go on there and I get, you know, 30, 50,000 listens a month on Spotify and they send me a check every of the year for like two, 300 bucks. It just, it's, it's not the same, you know? Wow. Uh, and touring, you know, I, I never got big enough. <clears throat> I never got big enough to where I could sell out big venues. I could bring a hundred to 300 people. Maybe, you know, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work. Um, nice thing about announcing PBRs. It's, I just got to show up and it's just me and it's, you know, I don't have to bring gear. I don't have to do all that stuff. Uh, the, the touring stuff. I mean, that's a challenging part of it too. And it costs money. You know, it's, it's just like any business. You gotta, you gotta put a lot in to, to get, to get stuff out. And, and that, that was something that, that I never really, <clears throat> that I never really wanted to do full time. I like doing it, you know, a few times a year. I like to go and, you know, I go on a two or three week run and, and I'm good for the year. But I think to really make that work, you kind of got to, it's your full-time job, you know, and I wasn't ready to give up the bull riding stuff. So, so that's kind of where I've, where I've kind of compromised a little bit on that. And so you, you talked about how you like still have songs that you've like created um, like years ago and you're like notes in your phone. Is that something you constantly do? Like you're looking for like inspirations for new songs or like even like you're on your way to an event here, you think of an idea and you kind of jot it down your phone. Like how does that process work? Yeah, I'll either jot it down on my phone or if I don't have a guitar with me, 
or if I have a guitar with me, just record a scratch track there. Uh, yeah, music is uh, <clears throat> music comes at you at any time, man. I I can remember waking up in the middle of the night and having an idea keep a guitar by your bed and you record it real quick and then you go back to sleep and wake up the next day and try to fuck with it and see, see what happened. Uh, I've, I've done that dozens of times. Um, music's cool like that. Um, yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of different inspiration. Uh, and I mean, I just like, if you look at my, the voice memos on my phone, they're, they're just full of song ideas from, and I keep them all saved. That's the nice thing about the, the iPhones that you can keep them as far back as 2013 you know so go back and listen to old ideas and get new ideas and new takes on it so yeah it's cool it, it's like the the what is that show waste californication where Duchovny says you don't you don't want to be a writer kid it's like having homework every day for the rest of your life <laughs> that's what it's like writing writing music isn't it luke yeah yeah you you've yeah when those guys that are tied in like with those labels and stuff and they've got a they got to produce an album a year. Like, uh, that's my nightmare. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't deal with, with that kind of deadline. I just, I do it at my own speed, you know, whatever. That, that's, that's kind of how, how I am with that. Okay. I just had one about maybe, uh, uh, a, an underground song or like one that people might not know about. It might not have hit as pop as been as popular, but one that you think is kind of a gem that, that hadn't maybe had the, su- the success of some other ones, Luke, I was, I'm curious about that. One of mine. Yeah, one of yours or one that you're proud of. And then I guess I got another question too after that, but like kind of like a like a song that you that you like that you thought maybe didn't get enough love. You're stoked about it and you yeah, and you yeah. didn't get the didn't get the love. Um, I'm not sure. Uh I I don't know. I, I the people like what the people like, you know. Uh I think um I think Out All Night, uh that's that's one of my tunes. It's a it's it's a very talkative, it's it's a very storytelling type song and I was in a, that was a cool song to write and to be a part of. And, and, and like musically, like that's probably one of the most musically beautiful songs that I've ever written. And, and like, it's, it's not very popular. People don't ask to hear that song, but some, pe- some people that do, like some people that you can tell kind of have an inside tip and a little bit of knowledge about music. They're like, Hey, that out all night. Like, that's cool. That's dope. Cause it's, it's like old jazz and old blues progressions and stuff. Um, that, that one's pretty cool. That one flies under the radar a little bit, I guess. It, it's one of the, one of the ones I had on my laptop here, actually. So I just played it here for a bit. So yeah. Kind of listen to it a bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> So, uh, are, you, are you slapping the bass on that track too? Uh, yes, I did play the bass on that. Attaboy. Nice. Yeah. I played everything on there, but the I played everything on there, but the the guitar lead and the uh, the drum machine, the the drums. Mm-hmm. That I I do like that song a lot though. Like it it's a it's one that has clean lyrics too that I can get away with playing out events too, right? I don't remember right now. I think I went through all this <laughs> to make sure I had some clean ones here that I could throw in. One, one of the few, yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's it is a really groovy song though. Like you said, it's it's got some of that like some of the jazz sound to it. I don't know, I don't know how to explain music enough. I don't I don't know it as like I don't I I just don't know it like you guys know. It, but it's you're not a musician. No, I don't know it. <laughs> I can't play anything. I can't even play the I couldn't even play the spoons if I wanted to probably. <laughs> so you'd say out all night, eh? That's one that you one of your favorites. That the dark horse track. Dark yeah, that one's good. Oh, I yeah. like it. I gotta go back to a music question quickly on what your favorite songs to play are that aren't yours. <laughs> yeah. 
I uh, I like Wonder playing old man. I'm I'm an old school. Yeah, yeah. Tom Wonder Russell. Wall, yeah, <laughs> uh, tonight we ride. I know that's got to be one of them. That one's outstanding. Yeah, I like, you... I like playing the. Sorry, go ahead, Luke. Sorry, we lagged. Yeah, you, you're up, man. <laughs> yeah, so... we lagged. Uh, the the Tom the Tom the Tom Russell tune, man. I yeah, that's that was a that's a cool tune. Um, say you, you'll never believe who actually taught me that song. Uh, Jacob Crawley. Uh, we were at really? a rodeo in out the outskirts of Boston, Massachusetts. He didn't teach it to me, but he he played it. He was half-ass playing it on guitar, and I'm like, "Holy shit! Like, who's this guy? Like, I thought he was a damn bronc rider." Um, <laughs> and and yeah, he, we were at a house party. We were just hanging out with some girls, um, and he plays a song. I'm like, "I gotta learn that song." And I and then I kind of took it and kind of made it my own. Um, but I, I like playing old school stuff. I like I love playing the Eagles. I like playing the Rolling Stones. Um, that's, that's just the stuff that I listen to. Like I got a record player at the house and that's what I jam to. Um, I just, that music is, you can tell they put so much thought into it, you know, uh, that's the kind of stuff I like. And I like playing it. I mean, I would be happy with, I'd be happy with sitting at a bar and sitting on a stool and playing Eagles and playing old classic rock covers for the rest of my life. And if I could get paid for that, like you guys would never see my ass again. I mean, I do, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that's, that. that I like uh, I like when you do "How Do You Want It" by Tupac too. I think that's a pretty sweet, sweet <laughs> version for for a cowboy guy to sing. I think that that's a pretty pretty neat one. But like, but some of your stuff is technically some of it would could be considered some rap music in like some country and country stuff almost really right. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you grow up in the East Coast, like you listen to a lot of different kind of music. You know, I didn't. I mean, I grew up in the mountains, basically, like in the country, country. But I mean, you're talking. I live an hour and a half from Atlanta, from Charlotte, from all these big suburbs that are full of, you know, lots of different ethnic groups and lots of different cultures, you know, and, and that's who I went to school with. Right. So I went to school with like me and JB, we went to kindergarten and we were like five or six of the white kids, you know what I mean? And, and that's, I think it's awesome. Like I love growing up in that culture. Like that's, that's cool. You know, because I, I, I like rap music. I like R&B. I like all that great stuff. Um, and it's, I think it just makes you d- diverse. I, I think it diversifies you because I mean, all music's good music. You just got to find the, the best in all of it. You know, that's, that's, that's what I think. Um, but yeah, like some rap covers are pretty good. I've been known to, to pop those off from time to time. <laughs> um, okay. Wait, uh, what else we got here? Yeah. I was, I was oh. going to start moving into like your rodeo career, kind of your background yeah, there and how you got involved and kind of give us your story that way um oh my rodeo career <laughs> i was gonna uh, i had short, it wrote down that that topic. we're all failed contestants we're on to the we're on to the next thing because we failed at being contestants oh i was shit piss poor man that's that's why <laughs> <laughs> that's why and i think that's everybody everybody that does a job in production they sucked at riding bulls or doing anything else i mean <laughs> don't let them tell you otherwise <laughs> uh <laughs> No, man. I, uh, my, my grandpa, uh, both of my grandpas actually were, were rodeo contestants. Uh, my, my grandpa, my dad's dad, he was actually, he was like the fourth or fifth tie down roping and all around champion for the national high school rodeo. Like he won the, the all around and the tie down roping title in 1953. Uh, I don't wow. even remember where they had that, uh, back then, but he was like, he traveled with, uh, he traveled with a lot of guys. He traveled with Hadley Barrett. He traveled with Jim Houston, who's the guy who actually invented the bareback rigging. Uh, he's from wow. central Nebraska. Uh, he, he went around with a lot of cowboys um, there in the Midwest and traveled. Ended up going to a lot of big rodeos, and he was he was kind of like me. He's kind of good, kind of half-ass good at everything. 
uh, and did a bunch of different stuff. He ended up training some world champion horses, uh, did a bunch of other stuff in his career. Um, my dad rode bulls. He rode uh, bucking horses, steer wrestled. My mom's a barrel racer. So, I mean, I just, I went to my first video when I was six weeks old. Um, and growing up, you know, it was, you know, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to rodeos every weekend. I can, my first vivid memories, I can remember laying in the floorboard of the, of the back of a truck. We're going to a rodeo somewhere. I was laying in the floorboard. I was like five or six. My sister was just born. She was in a car seat. So that's why I wanted to lay down and stretch out. So I had to lay down on the floor to do it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, we did that from pretty early on. I tried to ride sheep and calves and did all that stuff. And, and we grew up in Mooresville, North Carolina, there, central North Carolina, where there are a lot of rodeos. There are a lot of opportunities to go to events and stuff for cowboys, uh, believe it or not, on the East Coast. Um, some of the oldest rodeos in the going are, are East Coast-based. Um, and that's that's how I got to grow up with JB. Uh, JB's mom and dad rodeo with my mom and dad before we were born. Um, and JB and I went to the same junior rodeos together. We rode calves and rode steers together. We shoot dog together. Um, and I mean, he was always obviously a standout. I mean, the guy was – He's just as badass then as he is now. Um, he was just, he was great. That's what he was good at. And I, you know, I, me, not so much. <laughs> I would get along and I'd do all right. And it was like high school. It was high school when I started playing music and I'll never forget this. We were at a rodeo one time and I played, I played like a little opening show. I was probably a sophomore in high school, um, grade 10, just to translate to you guys up there. Um, we uh, got ourselves uh, probably uh, probably got a, uh, probably had, I don't know, a couple hundred people there. And it was like a Catholic church service. And then after we played a little music and uh, my dad came and told me, he said, he said, you can do whatever you want. When you grow up, you can go rodeo. You can go do this. You can go do that. He said, but you'll never, you'll never impact as many people in your life if you don't play music because you're good and you're, you've got something special. And my dad doesn't know anything about music. My dad's just an old cowboy. But for him <laughs> to say that, say that to me like that kind of resonated. And I always, and I always remember that. I always kind of took that to heart. In college, uh, I, I broke my, I broke my ankle. I blew out my ACL. I actually blew up my ACL uh, riding practice uh riding roping steers believe it or not that's kind of an embarrassing story <laughs> oh, no. i blew out every ligament in my knee riding roping steers at a little place called the rock and k ranch uh right here where i'm close to where i'm from and we were getting on steers just for fun like in flip-flops and tennis shoes jb was there a bunch of my other buddies that i grew up with were there and so that kind of sidelined me a little bit for my college career because when i was going to college i was like okay, well, I'm out of the house and I'm going to go, I'm going to try and ride bulls. I'm going to try and ride horses. I'm going to try and ride, do all this stuff. Well, the first year and a half, I was basically on crutches and I had to have two different surgeries and that stuff kind of sidelined me a little bit. But when I was healing up in the process, I started <clears throat> working with a guy that lived right outside of where I was going to college at. And he had bucking bulls. Uh, he got hired to, to go and work a bunch of events with Jerome Davis, who's one of the founders of PBR. So he hired, basically Jerome hired myself and, and, the, and my buddy Cody to go and be back then help. We'd set up arenas, we'd bring some bulls, we'd load the bulls, we'd hang signage, we'd do it all. And I'm 18, 19 years old. And I'm like, hell yeah, this is, this is the gig. This is the life. Um, that's how I got to know about the product, a little bit of the production stuff. Um, and then we kind of started venturing off putting on our own events and uh, we, we would try and do some bull ridings. We'd, uh, I would get pyro. I'd do pyro myself. Actually, Matt Merritt and I, if you ever asked Matt Merritt how me and him used to do pyro at events, we would get 
a bag, like a plastic bag from like Walmart, fill it full of black powder, stick an electric match in it and bury it in the dirt. And we would like light it with a nine volt battery. And like, we would, <laughs> we would do pyro and we'd be like, Hey, we can do pyro at your event. You pay us an extra hundred bucks or something. And, and me and Matt would do that. And we would just blow shit up everywhere. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. So that like, we thought we were innovators. We thought we were doing shit. Uh, so yeah. Um, that's how I kind of got into the production side of it. And that same guy that I was, that I was living with at the time when we were producing these events, his name is Cody Brown. We would watch these videos of bullfighting, freestyle bullfighting. And there was nowhere, there was no freestyle bullfighting anywhere in the United States at that time. I think there was like one big bullfight a year. Like they had the bullfight in Salinas at the rodeo and they do one in Ardmore, Oklahoma every year. And we had this idea. We're like, we're going to go to Oklahoma or we're going to go to Texas. We're going to go right there to the border. We're going to buy some Spanish fighting bulls. We're going to bring them back and we're going to start doing some bullfights. Yeah, it's a great idea. So we drove, we drove all the way to Mexico, picked up like 10 head of Spanish fighting bulls, brought them back, had them there at the house. Like the first day, I think they bent like damn near about 90% of every pound we had there. And we're like, holy shit, we're going to have to do We're going to die. It's going to work. So then we started building 10. So then we started building pins out of uh, telephone poles. So like, basically like, I mean, I'm talking like telephone poles way bigger around their head, put them in the ground 10 foot. And then we would put them every 10 foot. And then we would build, you know, latch them together, like lag them in there together, lag them with bolts. Basically it was like a Lincoln log fortress for these bulls. <laughs> Uh, and that's where they lived. And uh, we started a tour and uh, and then we started inviting guys. Uh, we had guys like Ross Hill, Evan Allard, Western Rakowski, Nathan Harp. The first bullfight that Cody Webster ever went to, he was 15 years old. I actually got him off the plane because he, I mean, he wasn't old enough to get there. Um, and he, he had to actually fly there with somebody else because he wasn't old enough to fly by himself. So I had to go get him, had to take care of him because I talked, we talked to Frank on the phone. Frank's like, this kid's good. Just take care of him, be good to him. And Cody Webster, sure enough, a little 15 year old shit got off the plane and he goes out there and I think he won like second at his first event. Wow. Beat a bunch of guys that are like twice his age. Um, wow. So that, that was cool. And, and that kind of got me, that really got me interested and peaked in the production because when we did those bullfights, we did everything. We, set the arena up we did the signage we did the, the opening and we did you know we did everything um and it was right around that time when i started getting some calls about doing some pbrs uh doing some announcing and doing some stuff i mean i was i was like yeah i can announce i've, I've got a sound system that i was playing you know little little acoustic gigs with and i yeah i can i can announce sure i can you know matt Merritt's actually the one that talked me into it uh, he said you should announce this junior rodeo i'm like ah. That's not for me. He's like, oh, it pays pays four hundred bucks. I said, okay, what that's time do I need to be? That's there? for me. <laughs> I mean, uh, yep. And that that took me on to you know one thing led to another. Got to meet a lot of cool people. You know, and now I get to work every week with with the best, the best in the business. So so that that bullfighting organization was the UBF. Like that was originally what it was. Like you guys started that that long ago, and now you now you've brought it back in a in a, that was in a kind of a much bigger way now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was it. It was, it was called ultimate bullfighter, the UBF. We had the guys wear the same jerseys. They had matching jerseys. We put, we, we bought our own barrel that I had to tape every bullfight, every bullfight <laughs> get wrecked out and I have to retape that son of a bitch. Um, yeah, that was it. Uh, and we, I mean, so we went to Best Buy. We had this great idea. We're like, I mean, this was, so remember this is like 2008. So YouTube was like, 
really very, very minimal. It's nothing like it is now. Like uh, Facebook was still, I think, where you could it's only so be friends with the people you went to college with like that. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it was like, you couldn't even post, you couldn't even post videos on Facebook yet mm-hmm, at this point. Mm-hmm. So like that wasn't a thing. Twitter wasn't a thing. Instagram wasn't a thing. So really the only way to look at content was YouTube. So we thought, Hey, here's what we got to do. We went to Best Buy and we bought like two $300 cameras. We thought, Oh yeah, we got some good shit. We, and we would go out there and we would film these bulls. And we would, and we would film them and I would be announcing and I would get down on the ground and I would film and I'd film these bulls while I was announcing because I, because we knew we're like, we got to get a video. We got to get a video for YouTube. It's very important. And uh, a lot of that stuff is taken down now, but you can still go and type in ultimate bullfighter on YouTube and you can see some of the, you can see Evan Aller, you can see Cody Webster. You can see all those guys at those events, you know, 10, 12 years ago from now. Uh, And yeah, that was that was, that was the original inspiration, believe it or not, like bullfighters only when Aaron started bullfighters only, like he, he watched all those videos. He watched all that stuff. Cause that, at that time he was just a bullfighter. And, uh, he, he, I mean, he told me, you know, I've, we, we've told stories back and forth, but he said, I, I watched all that stuff because I thought that was cool. Uh, and that's where a lot of the inspiration for BFO came from because we had, you know, we, we had the buck and shoots. So we fought them out of a buck and shoot. Right. But we blacked it out. We had it solid. So if you go look at a BFO arena from the last five years, we do the same, we did the same thing. You know, it, it was blacked out. It was solid. Uh, and they come out of one little hole. Uh, and, and we were doing that 10, 12 years ago. So it was pretty cool. Dang. So. The pioneers of Western sports content, essentially. <laughs> well i wouldn't say that i mean you know they you know we we got our we got our ideas from from the generation before us you know but Mm -hmm. we did a bunch of cool stuff you know we were i'm pretty confident we were the first guys because we did do a bullfight we did two or three uh we did do a bullfight where we set up ramps on each side of the arena and we had uh the metal militia uh jump dirt bikes uh, and do front flips and back flips uh, over the arena while we fought a bull. We probably were the first ones to do that. Uh, that was like 2009, 2010. Um, and now like, you know, you go to a lot of big rodeos and, and they do the, the extreme dirt bikes and stuff like that. But, but we just, I don't know. We just like to to tie it in. We like to make it a rock and roll show. You know, I mean, bad company did the same thing with bull riding, you know, back in the late eighties. Um, you know, we just, we didn't reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to move the parts around a little bit, make it, make it our own deal, you know? But so events and, and I, I had a couple of things written down here. I got to go back over to this page, but I was, uh, oh man, we ask all the time about where do we see the future in Western sports, but do you see it being more so on the bullfighting side of things on the PBR side of things and rodeo? Like we are kind of on the point now and I don't know where overall rodeo is at. I it's kind of so fractured at this point, but where, where do you see the future and what, like what might need to happen? We could talk about this for a little while. I won't spend too much time on it but I'm just curious on your thoughts on it. it. It seems like a big part of it is production. We have to put put on a better show a lot of places where a lot of events don't put much stock into the show part of things, but I want to get your your take on it. Yeah, I think the future in all of Western sports relies on on not only the production, but the way that we market to people. Man, I go, I go to 35 PBR events a year and every week, you know, we ask, you know, have you ever been to a PBR event? Like that's something that just that we do. It, it's, it's 50% of the crowd every single week. And how long has the PBR been around? Like that's how many new people don't even know what it is that we do. Um, and that's the PBR, you know, they're, they're, they're the biggest touring 
enterprise in Western sports, you know, let alone rodeo. Yeah. Everybody's heard of a rodeo. Everybody knows that there's a rodeo in this little town, you know, outside of, outside of the big city or whatever, but how many of them actually went to it? How many of them actually follow, you know, what the Cowboys do? How many of them know about the sport? How many know about the events? How many know about the tour and the circuit that we do? Um, I think to, if we want to survive and want to keep going and get bigger and get better, I think we really got to focus on that. And I think a lot of that has to do, I think a lot of that has to do with, with production. Um, Cause I mean, we can't, you know, we can, we can continue to produce rodeos the way we did in 1950 and 1960. Uh, but that's, that's not going to get us anywhere. That's not going to make anything bigger. That's not going to make anything better. And, you know, to a point, you know, we don't, you don't need to keep redoing stuff and need to keep re, you know, trying to re, you know, revamp your image of who you are. Uh, I'm not saying change the sport or change anything, but man, it's so, there's so, I mean, look at it. If you can't keep people entertained in, you know, in a two hour show, if you have a two minute lull, like if you have two minutes where you guys are fucking off and, you know, there's nothing going on because you don't, you're not paying attention to getting the next guy ready. What happens? You lose the attention spans are so short. People yeah. Get People get on their phone and they, and they fuck off and they don't listen, man. Uh, and that's, that's, that's why you got to keep them engaged. And that's where the production side comes in because the, the competition and the event is the event. Uh, and I think there's a lot of things that, that rodeo, bull riding, even bullfighting could do to, to keep people engaged doing that. And the PBR, you know, the PBR does a good job of trying to keep people engaged and keep them interactive like that. But I think people, I think, I think it could go even more, uh, my, my personal opinion. And I try to do it. I mean, I, I try to do it in those bullfights. Like, you know, a three-hour show, it's just too long. Uh, I, I think I think two hours is as long as you can get somebody to sit in a seat and keep their phone keep their phone in their lap, you know, and keep them focused. Yeah. So I mean, I, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of good people uh, involved in rodeo and bull riding uh, and some of the big rodeos. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are trying to do good. I think our buddy Keenan does a really good job at, at Calgary. Uh, there's a lot of good people that that do great work at San Antonio. Uh, the NFR this year. Uh, they actually showed and aired the the opening ceremonies this year, which I thought was really, really cool uh, because you think about it for, you know, Vegas has been, Vegas has been the home of the NFR for 35 years and nobody's ever seen the opening ceremonies except for the people that were there either in the Thomas and Mac or watching it at a watch party at, at the casino. So I think to show the people like, yeah, it's, it's very similar openings to what they've done in years past, but yeah you know, when you put it on national TV, like you let people see, Hey, Hey, we actually respect the American flag. Hey, we pray, you know, Hey, we, we sing the anthem and everybody stands like, I think stuff like that, you know, it opens a lot of people's eyes up because I mean, uh, you know, I don't know how it is up there in Canada, but in the United States, you know, there's, there's Republican people, you know, people that are heavily conservative and super steeped in, you know, tradition and all this stuff that people that you would think are bull riding fans, rodeo fans, they don't even, they don't even go to rodeos. They don't even go to bull rides. They don't even know anything about it. Like those are people that we're missing out on. And uh, I think the best way to do that is keep getting in front of them and keep doing cool stuff that, that, that people want to keep coming to see. Tell, tell us about your involvement at the final, at, at the NFR this year with, uh, with those openings. You were, you got to be a part of it for the, for the first time. And for the first time, those openings have really changed much in those 35 years of the NFR. Yeah, that wasn't, I mean, that didn't really have anything to do with me. That was, uh, 
that was all Randy Bernard, mostly uh, Clayton Colin and those guys there uh, at RFD. Um, they, you know, RFD kind of stepped up with the Cowboy Channel to produce the NFR, I guess, and and to put it on TV um, when they when they decided they couldn't do it at the at the Thomas and Mac in Las Vegas. So they kind of, everybody scrambled. They said, Hey, we can do it here in Texas. Uh, this is what we can do. And I guess part of their deal was to, you know, let RFD uh, or let Randy come in and, and produce. And, you know, you guys know Randy's history and his background. He, he'd give you a hell of a podcast. Um, he's, you know, one of the, he's the first big CEO of the PBR, you know, he's, he's Garth Brooks current manager. Uh, he, he just does so much stuff. And that guy, He's all about the show. He's all about, you know, talking about the people that are involved. He's the guy like that's the guy that that makes stuff pop and makes stuff big. I mean, he's he's the guy that put the PBR where it is, in my opinion. You know, I mean, all the great things that he did. You can go back and look at at what he's done. Um, so I, I wasn't really or scheduled to be involved at all, but Clayton, our buddy Clayton, who was kind of in charge of doing all the production stuff, he came down and, uh, he got diagnosed with COVID like two days before the rodeo. So they called me and I'm, we're producing our bullfight there in Fort Worth. And he, Randy's like, Hey, we, we need your help. We need you to come and produce these openings. See if you can come and call them. And I mean, I really didn't do anything more than to tie the, the team together. Um, cause I mean, you're dealing with people from the Texas Rangers that work there in the facility, you know, the people there on the ground, uh, our buddy Garrett Irrigan's down there on the floor, uh, Casey, uh, Casey Harp, uh, all the, and then the announcers and you tie all that stuff together and you just try to keep it from being a train wreck. That's really all I did. <laughs> uh, but it was a cool job. I mean, it, I was pretty, I was pretty happy to be a part of it, man. It's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know if the NFR will ever go back to, the, the Texas Rangers stadium, but if it doesn't, I can say that I got to be a little small part of it. Um, that one time that it did. So that's, that was cool. How would you, how would you rate the NFR in Arlington as compared to the one in Vegas? Honestly, I loved it. I thought it was cool. Like, I mean, that, you know, it, it's going to be hard to beat Vegas, you know, because Vegas brings so much to the table, you know, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, not only paying for the event itself, you know, you know, the people that don't know, like the city of Las Vegas, you know, Las Vegas events is actually technically the company that produces the NFR. They're the ones that write the checks um, because, you know, they're trying to get people to come to the city and, and enjoy the weekend there, you know, and go, go to the casinos and go enjoy the shows and, and then check out the rodeo too. But uh, I think if there was any, if there was ever any other place to do it, uh, it's right there in Texas. Cause I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. It was, uh, it was definitely challenging, but you know, they got the best in the world at everything in every single position there. So they, they pulled it off pretty easily, but yeah, I, I love it. I thought it was cool. I think we got to get into some of the stories, stories now here, Luke, we're a ways into this deal, but some of the shit you've seen in some of the songs you've written stuff about <laughs> how much, how much of it's true, I guess, maybe we should start with that. And then we'll, we'll kind of roll into some of it. Some of that, some, some more of it after that. It's all true. <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> So what's the, like, what's the wildest shit you've ever been into? That's, that's what I'm curious about. Like we, we had some pretty fun, like I, I had it wrote down here that, that I think the most fun I've had on the road, uh, with anybody that's not from Canada and probably anywhere has probably been with shit we've got up to. And it's only been a few times, but I, I remember our neighbor, Shane Noble was over waste. Like when you were living here mm-hmm. and Luke had the party and we just blew his mind that night with all the shit that <laughs> all of us have been up to between diff- different countries we've been to and just stuff we've got to see and do it's like it's unlike anybody like nobody has an idea right yeah yeah 
people, yeah, you, you tell, you tell regular people that work nine to five jobs that work in the city, like the shit that we do on a weekly basis, like they, they think you're fucking high. Like they, they think you're <laughs> full of shit, you know, uh, we, we, I tell people, I tell people all the time, I've, I've forgotten more good stories than, than some people have ever, you know, got to experience in their life. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in an arrogant way, but it's like, literally I, some of the f- most fun shit that anybody could ever imagine doing in their entire life is shit that I've forgot. <laughs> uh, which, which is legit man, though. Like. Uh, um, man, I, it, it goes so far. It goes from music. Like I've done a lot of crazy shit uh, doing, <laughs> doing music and then doing the, the, the bull riding stuff. Like when I was younger, man, we, uh, like that album, my Beyond the Bunkhouse album, that was right around, I was recording all that stuff in like 2012. So at the time I lived in a house, uh, a house not not really dissimilar from from Teddy's house there. Uh, you know, <laughs> the halfway house roommates. almost. Uh, two of them were bull riders. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really it was like, it. Two of, them, two of my roommates were bull riders from Michigan. And I mean, we had every night of the week. So where I live in North Carolina, there, there are weekly bull ridings. Um, like, and, and I'm not saying like little jackpot, like come to some guy's house. There were actual bull ridings with fans that would have a thousand people watching. Uh, and they were like a thousand dollars added or more on during the weeknights. Mm-hmm. So there was a bull riding every night of the week, uh, during the weeknights within about three or four hours of our house. So people would just come like bull riders from Ohio, bull riders from Florida, bull riders from Texas, uh, anybody that was in that part of the world that wanted to go to a bunch of bull ridings, they just come and, they, and then we would stay there for a week. So in, in our house, like we rented a huge house and we're in a subdivision, right? So there's, there's 50 other houses that are within 200 yards of our house. Uh, and we've got this, you know, four bedroom, you know, double deal, little wooden box that looks like every, every other house on the block there. And we would have trucks parked in the yard, uh, stuff like that. I mean, that was just the norm. Uh, so we, we took it upon ourselves and people came into town, people came to town. Well, shit, we got to have a party boys. What are we going to do? Well, I reckon we should go buy about $150 worth of booze. So let's go do it. And so we would go, we'd, we'd buy booze. We'd call every girl on our phone. Uh, we'd invite them over, uh, and we would have a party on Wednesday night, uh, because we, <laughs> because that's just what we did. You could, cause um, you could. <laughs> because we could and i mean this is this is when i was like 19 20 21 years old and i mean i'm i'm making like 1500 dollars a week like announcing and going and doing bull rides like that it there should be a law against letting anybody under the age of 25 make that much money a week because <laughs> you're gonna spend all you're gonna spend all of it on booze and hookers and the rest of it you're just gonna blow <laughs> so i mean you, you kind of got it like <laughs> you, you got it right there didn't you <laughs> but like that's the problem like we would, do, we, we would do such stupid stuff man i mean we would do dumb stuff and, and like this was back when jb like just started getting a little bit of notoriety and fame too and when when he and i would get together that was that was when it would really get dangerous i mean there was a place that we called the bunkhouse that was right there, basically the backyard of one of those weekly bull ridings. And he would pay, he, as soon as the bull riding would get over, he would give somebody the keys to his truck and give them $200 and tell them to go buy as much Bud Light as $200 would buy. So they'd come back with, you know, 75 cases because American beer is uh, cheap. And, yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. And so we would, we'd start drinking beer, you know, we would have a fire out back. I mean, we paid, we would pay guys 50 to a hundred dollars and push them off of the roof of the barn uh, <laughs> in a shopping cart. Um, so we would brand, Damn. we would brand guys with a coat hanger for 50 oh, yeah. bucks. We would, we had a guy that was, uh, that was more on the heavy side we paid him $150 to get on a bull that we bucked in the bull riding two hours prior to butt ass naked. The only thing, the only piece of clothing he had on was the glove and he got on and it, it, I mean, it had poured rain like hours and the guy fell face down in the mud and like knocked himself out and hit him so hard. Uh, just the craziest shit you could possibly imagine. <laughs> so, I mean, wow. Where, like, uh, just stupid stuff, man. I mean, where, where's the, uh, most ridiculous place that you woke up in the morning in your, mem- in your memory <laughs> bank? Mine's the bathtub. The most ridiculous. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> so this was, I'm in Lafayette, Alabama. I am announcing a rodeo. I'm playing a concert. Uh, I'm recently single and I'm on the prowl. Oh no. Oh no. So I, I announced the rodeo. I play the concert. Old gal down the line is digging on old LK. <laughs> not, not, a problem. not a big deal. So my buddy, my buddy is there and I've known this guy literally my entire life. He's with his wife and he's like, Hey, that girl there, she, she likes you. She thinks you're cute. And I'm like, duh, like not a big deal, whatever. <laughs> so like, you know, me, I, I blow her off and keep, keep drinking, keep partying. Well, the end of the night comes up. Okay, cool. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I don't have to do anything till eight o'clock tomorrow night. She's like, well, you should come back with us and we're going to go have a party at my house. And I'm like, Sounds great. So I jumped in with her, my buddy, his wife, and we we're going back to their house is the operative word there because they <laughs> live in the trailer park that is 10 miles outside. So we get there and we're having drinks in this, in this gal's really nice and very neatly decorated. Double, single double wide. wide. Oh, single uh, wide. Trailer. Oh no. <laughs> and, yep. No, it's single wide. It's single wide. It's single wide. Don't 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 flip the script. <laughs> so my buddy and his wife, they live next door, ten foot away. You know, just one parking spot away. And they're like, they're like, okay, we're going to bed. And I'm like, okay, I'm staying here tonight. And and I look around, and you know, there's she's got kid toys and stuff. And I'm like, oh, you have a kid? And she's like, yeah, yeah. He, she, she he's staying with my mom's. It's not a big deal. Like you stay with me. Like I'll take care of you. Well, okay, cool. We're good. So the next morning I wake up to, Oh, I'm no. like, Oh shit. And she's like, Oh, I, I think they're bringing my son back. I'm like, okay, not a problem. And she opens the door and I begin to hear what doesn't sound like her mother's voice. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> and I could tell by the conversation that this is not a relative in any shape or fashion. And I'm, I'm looking around and I'm like, it's time for me to go. So, so I gather my things. I look, find a route. Like I'm trying to slip out and like, I could hear him talking and speaking there in the other room. And I'm like, ah, shit. So politely and quietly slip into the closet and shut the door because I'm like, well, I don't want him coming in here looking or whatever. Surely she's got enough sense. She's going to get the guy out of here. And 
I hear him talking, I hear him arguing, and then I don't hear anything for about five minutes. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, maybe he's left. And all of a sudden the door opens and I'm looking straight down the barrel of a double barrel shotgun. No shit. (laughs) No way. Honestly, God's story. Cannot lie. And I'll tell you, I'll have to send you the song. I never put this song out yet. But anyway, he says, Who the fuck are you? And I'm like, I'm Luke. Who the fuck are you? (laughs) He says, I'm her husband. And I'm like, Old shit. Good to know. I said, Hey, man. I said, I am incredibly sorry. I said, I. I had no idea. I said, I'm not taking, not putting the blame on, on your gal there, but she didn't really inform me of any such information. He's like, where, like, where are you from? Where are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm, I'm announcing the rodeo. I'm just, let me get my shit and I will get the fuck out of here. Like (laughs) you guys can discuss this. And like he, the whole time never takes it off of me. And I'm kind of like, I'm just like slowly easing my way around so I can like haul ass out the door. And I like bolt out the door, run across the road, like run across the parking space to the, to the next trailer over and go in there to my buddies who's still passed out. And I'm like, Hey fucker, like, thanks. Thanks for the heads up. He's like, Oh, they, they've been separated. They're on and off again for like six months. It's no big deal. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Like you just, trying to like you got me killed well then i guess old dude thought he was gonna get be real bad and he came over there and knocks on the door and is like i guess he's gonna like now really shoot me i guess well (laughs) so then my buddy goes and gets his gun and then they're basically squared off with each other with shotguns in the yard of this trailer park and i'm like oh i'm gonna die I'm going to die because of collateral fucking damage because in this fucking trailer park in Alabama, you know. Jesus. So, so I get out of there. I take, I take my buddy's truck. Like, I'm like, you can fucking figure out how to get back to the rodeo. Like, I don't give a shit. And so I leave and I go back to the rodeo grounds. I haven't even made it back there yet. He's called every person there at the rodeo, told him what happened. So I get, I get shit for it all night long. Like, and <laughs> they're all giving me hell. And so right before the rodeo starts, like I'm fixing to do the grand entry and I'm trying to like be professional and be all good. And I see, and I see that guy, he's walking up the stairs and I'm like, you've got to be shitting. This guy's going to fucking kill me right before the fucking national anthem at this rodeo. And he walks up there and he's like, Hey, and I'm like, just want to say sorry about earlier today. You seem like a good guy. And I love your music, by the way. <laughs> he signed sign his jacket and he leaves the announcer stand. Don't mention, homie. That's yeah. fucking so wow. funny. Yeah. So that's that is uh that's some crazy. So I didn't die that day. Thank, thank you. Yeah, luckily. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. so speaking of dying, what yeah. is is that the closest you've been to dying, or do you have another uh, such story of of uh, different circumstances? where you thought you were about to die meet your maker uh that was pretty close that that was probably one of the closer uh, it's not the only time i've had a gun pulled on me uh i've had a gun pulled on me a couple different times just playing in bars and stuff like that's the other thing like playing shows and shit like you run into some drunk characters man <laughs> they're hard <laughs> on the swish uh well um i would say probably uh we did uh i don't know I, I did almost get my hand bit off by an alligator once. Uh, JB, I was with JB, I was with Sean Willingham, I was with Pistol Robinson. That was after the PBR 
we went to Tater Porter's house. Uh, we were riding around in an airboat catching gators, uh, like by hand. Um, because they said, they said, oh yeah, we're going to go see gators. We're, we're on the swamp, you know, we're like, oh, this is cool. Like, let's go do that. And we're drinking Jaeger like by the bottle, like no big deal. So we're riding around in the dark spotlighting. And if you can see the little beady, the little beads out of the water, they're like, yeah, that's the gator. Like, and you, they said, okay. And the guy driving the boat, he says, so when you get up beside the, beside the gator, he's going to be real still. He's going to like freeze if you keep the light on him. So you reach down, you grab him on the back of the neck. You pull him up out of the boat. Don't throw him in the boat because shit will go down and you guys will lose a leg. So like <laughs> he pulls up to the first one. I reach down, I grab him. I mean, these are like, these are like four or five foot long gators. Like they're not fully mature. You know, they're not huge. So like you pick him up. He's like, he's kind of like wiggling around, but he doesn't really move a lot. So like you can hold him and I mean, he weighs about 50 pounds, you know, it's pretty cool. So, and then you throw him back in and we go do it again. So Sean picks up one, JB picks up one. We go pick up a couple other ones. Well, about that time, we and like they say, supposedly they can capture. They they can tell you how big they are by how far apart their eyes are. I guess I don't know. I have no fucking idea. We're drunk as shit. Uh, <laughs> so we're riding around, and they they pull up one, and, and Jamie's like, "I got this son of a bitch." You know, he's got a Bolly Yeager in his hand. He's trying to be cool. He reaches down, and he grabs. He tries to grab him, and he flips around on his belly. And he jumps up and he bites JB on the finger. If you if if you look at JB's finger, ask him ask him to show you show him your pinky. And he's got a he's got like a bite mark on this pinky, not on his right hand, on his free hand. And this this gator jumps around and bites him. And like I grab him because I thought this son of a bitch was about to pull him in. And I pull him and I about throw him out the other side of the boat. <laughs> this thing like about capsizes this airboat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like we were we were done then. we were like okay we're good we can go back to land anytime you're ready and then the the driver's just laughing like on the way back we're like what's so funny he's like he's like usually when we bring people out here we capture these gators and nets y'all are the only dumb sons of bitches that are stupid enough to catch them with by hand that is cowboy shit yeah really Okay, we're on a roll here. What what's the longest you've ever been hung over for? What what was the uh <laughs> what were the parameters of your worst hangover? If you Let's remember. See. I don't know if I remember mine. Okay, so I got one. Uh <laughs> the first indoor PBR I ever announced, Jacksonville, Florida, 2011, I would say. No. Yeah, it's probably 2011, I'd say. I got hired by George Marshall and George Marshall was a guy that had a lot of great PBR events. This was before the velocity tour, like pretty much hell. If you look at like 80% of the velocity tour events, uh, they were all George Marshall events. So he hires, he calls and hires me. Cause he's like, he had a falling out with Scott Grover, Matt West. And somehow I was behind those guys. I was the next guy in line. I'm like, cool. I'm in. I didn't even call Scott and Matt and ask him. I'm like, fuck you guys. I'm going to announce in Jacksonville, Florida, going to hang out. So I took my buddy, like a boy that uh, a guy that I grew up with, um, one of my best friends, and he says, "Yeah, we're gonna have fun. We're gonna go party." And we went down there two days early. The first day, like <laughs> we got there late at night on Thursday. We're gonna, there, we're gonna get there Thursday night. We're gonna hang out. We're gonna set up shop. Then Friday, we're gonna go out. Like we're gonna go meet these people, and I'm gonna get all this work. It's gonna be awesome. So Friday didn't meet anybody that worked for the PBR didn't go end up meeting the promoter didn't go end up meeting anybody just ended up going to the bar and getting teetotally shit hammered and I mean bad drunk so drunk that 
I end up puking in the elevator on the way up to the floor into the room. And my buddy, thank God my buddy was there. If my buddy would have been there, I'd probably still be in the cab in downtown Jacksonville, like in a ditch somewhere. Probably. I don't know. Uh, but he gets me back to the room. <laughs> he like slaps me. It's, this is like three 30 in the afternoon. He's like, Hey, uh, I don't know how these bull runs were, but I think you might have a meeting at some point today. <laughs> the production meeting was in like eight minutes. Oh, and I'm going out there wearing the shirt that I wore the night before that I had ripped the buttons off of. I have ripped the buttons off of. Oh, them. No. That's what I'm wearing. And I <laughs> Oh wow. I got my hat, I got all my stuff, and, and it's just a meeting. This isn't the opening. So I get there. <laughs> and the promoter, George, is like, Well, son, how'd you get along last night? And I'm like, had a pretty good night. I said, I've just, just been at the beach, you know, hanging out, like just getting some sun stuff. He's like, yeah, you look like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and I felt, I, I puked like three times between then and the opening. And for the opening, this was like old school. Like they wanted the announcer to like walk out of the center gate and like welcome everybody. And I've, you know, to this point I've done, I've done a couple PPRs, but they've all been like outdoor stuff. Nothing like this. Like Jacksonville, the P- the Unleash the Beast is going there like in a couple months. Like it holds like 20,000 people and it was damn near sold out. <clears throat> and so I'm still hungover. I mean, I'm like dry even in the, in the back pins, like 15 minutes before the show. And I'm walking and like I walk out and I walk out and then the spotlight hits me and I'm like, and I could have either puked <laughs> or I could say, hey, ladies and gentlemen, how the world are you? And I... I welcomed everybody. I made it through it. And, and after that, it went away, but it took, it took that adrenaline. It took all that energy to, to get me through because it wasn't until then. Like I, I felt like death, man. Uh, that was a full 24 hour. That was a full 24 hour, uh, slobber knocker. What's the, what's the most outrageous request request you ever got from like a committee as an announcer? Like they've got you to like do a trick riding routine or some crazy shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> or how, like uh, even have you have you ever been out in the arena announcing like oh yeah yeah i've been out there i yeah i've been in the arena before um this wasn't really necessarily a, a request it was more or less like me trying to save the show uh so i'm doing fourth of july rodeo on the navajo Indian reservation and it was about like 30 seconds before the opening um the power like goes out on the announcer stand. Like, I don't know how it goes out on half of the announcer stand. The, the music director's laptop goes down. Everything goes down except for my microphone, basically. And they're like, you got to do the opening. And I'm on foot. I'm, I'm in the arena. So I'm, I got a wireless. They're like, you got to do, you got to do everything. You got to do the opening. Like they're supposed to bring in grand entry, supposed to bring in flag girls, anthem, prayer, the whole deal. And I'm like, they're like you got to do it all. So I welcome the grand entry. We do the whole flag, the whole thing. Uh, we do the prayer. And I'm like, I look up, I'm like, so the prayer, they're like, you got to sing it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I got to sing the anthem. And they're like, no, no, no. Like I start singing it. And then they, they, tell, they ask me to stop. They want me to stop because I'm supposed to sing it in the native tongue of the Navajo in Diné. Oh, and no. <laughs> like they stop me and I'm like, I don't, don't speak much Diné these days. Like, I don't really know. So a little kid comes out there, like helps us do that. And we finished the whole deal. Like it was 
just the craziest that that was pretty crazy i mean that was what? and that wasn't really at the request but that was just me trying to salvage the show and i had to do the whole bareback riding like without music uh, but we've all been there i've done a couple bull ridings over over a bullhorn before to you know when power <laughs> old so school that's just kind of a norm you'll have that. yeah you'll have that from time to time it happens but, uh, yeah that's pretty crazy holy i guess i've got a i've got to go here a little bit too being on the road all the time and you know between the shows and the and the events and like does it ever get tiring that way do you ever get burnt out and like i've got to like it's got to be tough on some relationships sometimes too over the years as well with all that kind of stuff like i i'm just curious about that too it's just it, it is hard it's challenging um for relationships you know whether it be like personal relationships or like even friendships you know there's uh there's people that there's people that understand what we do for a living and there's people that don't um you know i've i got a lot of friends that i grew up with like in high school and in college and 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 i don't stay in touch with them and it's not because it's not because i don't still live 10 miles away from them it's not because i don't still love them uh and i'm not still good friends with them it's just that you know when we're gone you know this this job this this world is so unique you know our 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 monday through friday is everybody else's weekend uh and it's just it's always been that way even with my family like with my mom and my dad my sister you know i i've i've seen my mom and my dad and my sister probably i could count on two hands in the last five years uh it's not because i don't love them it's not because i don't want to be with them and i don't try to spend more time with them but it's you know they work monday through friday uh, I work Friday through Sunday, you know, and it's just, it, it is a little challenging. It's a little different, but I mean, I, I love it. I, you know, I love this job. I like traveling. I love traveling. I've, I've loved it since I was, since I was a little three, four year old kid riding to rodeos with my mom and dad in the back seat. I, that's, I, I don't think, I think if you don't do that when you grow up, I, I think it's hard for you to get into this kind of job and, and to stick with it um, without getting into a pretty heavy drug drug use uh deal because because <laughs> it's a it's a hard job man um it's pretty rough you know um but i i love it man i man i i i crave that shit i crave showing up to a different town you know going into it checking into a hotel and then showing up to that town and say all right we got to get these guys we got to we got to sell some tickets we got to make some fans you know got to put on a show whatever you know i'm i'm there to to, to entertain entertain people yeah I, I love it man and i have my whole life and i I don't really see that changing anytime soon. Well, going from there, what, uh, what are your next, what are some of your goals, Luke? Like where, where do you want to be? Where do you want to go in the next uh, five, 10, 20 years? What, what's on your list? I, I want to know that. <laughs> that's a, that's a tall order, man. I want to take over the fucking world, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm try, I mean, <laughs> I'm being modest. I, I, I really, um, man, I want to, I want to see bull riding. I want to see bullfighting. I want to see rodeo. I want to see all of them uh, bigger and better than ever. 10 years from now, I want to see, you know, I, I want to be able to look at the UBF. I want to be able to see, you know, 10 years from now that it's, it's on national television every week. I want to be able to, I want to be able to pay those guys that, that fight bulls uh, as much money as the guys in the PBR make. Uh, and then even further, I, I want the guys in the PBR. I think the guys in the PBR should make more money than they're making now. That's, and, and that's not me bitching about the way that the PBR does things. The PBR second to none has paid Western sports athletes more than anybody has. Uh, I want to see, I want to see everybody do better. Um, and, and that, that relies solely a little bit on, on what I do, on what you do, Ted, what, on, on what we all do. You know, we got to keep, 
you know, everybody's real quick to pick apart what the other side is doing or what the other group is doing. But if we all kind of got behind each other and, and supported each other and just kind of, instead of talking shit about what everybody else is doing, just get behind what everybody's doing. I think we would see that it would end up helping everybody. It would benefit all of us. Um, and, and that's kind of what I want. You know, I don't, I don't really want anything. <clears throat> I don't really want anybody to do bad. I want everybody to do, to do better than they're doing now, you know, 10 years from now, I want, I want to be able to do this for a living for, for a long time because I'm not really good at anything else. So, <laughs> so I kind of need to, <laughs> I kind of need this to, to continue to be good. Um, and I want to, I want to do some big things. I want to, I want to continue to be involved in rodeo. You know, I, I want to go to Canada. You know, I've, I want to, uh, like I did it. Um, I guess I did it two years ago. I was, I got to work in Australia for the PBR. I got to go to, to, uh, to Canada, um, in the United States. I got to work three different countries for the PBR. So, uh, I, I want to continue to do that. Cause I think that's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, I, and I love that. And it's talking about what we were just talking about a minute ago. It takes somebody that loves traveling and loves the work. And man, I love, I love going to Australia. Like I love coming up there and hanging out with you guys. Um, it's a, it's a different, it's a different feel. And you guys are just, I mean, you guys are as good friends. I talk to you guys as much as I talk to guys that I live 10 miles down the road from, uh, we're, you know, that, and that, talking about that, you know, we, we don't have to see each other every day to be, to be buddies. You know, we could be apart from a year and which hell what's it been now a year and a half almost since we've yeah. seen each other. But next time we see each other, we're going to, we're going to pick up right where we left off. You know, we're going to be like, Hey man, what, what are you doing? What are we doing now? You know, that's, that's, that's cowboy shit. That's, that's the rodeo life. You know, <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah. what it is. Uh, and I will, I will always, I will always try to live that life, man. Uh, because that's, that's, that's just part of me, man. I, I love that. Luke. So, so the main, the main focus right now really is, is announcing the PBR events across the country. The velocity tour will be the Pendleton whiskey velocity tour. You got, you'll have a, a number of stops this year. And then uh, the UBF is a big focus right now too. getting that, getting that really rolling. And, and you've got a new uh, partnership that's in the works right now. If you can uh, kind of enlighten us a bit on that. Yeah, Ultimate Bullfighters, the UBF, and uh, the PBR, we're we've kind of we're kind of working together. Um, we're trying to bring you know UBF events in conjunction with some PBR events, uh, kind of similar to what BFO's done before, what uh, Shorty Gorham was doing before. Um, uh, the 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 thing that we're just trying to do, you know, we're trying to make it work to where, you know, PBR is all about bull riding, you know, but but the PBR is always trying to be ahead of the curve. They're trying to entertain their fans. You know, what we were talking about earlier, uh, trying to stay, you know, trying to stay relevant, trying to stay fresh, you know, in fans' eyes. Uh, so I think freestyle bullfighting plays a big role in that. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff in the works with PBR that where you're going to see that um, stuff that that's going to be announced here in the next couple of months. Um, we're, we're just trying to, just trying to keep it active and freestyle bullfighting is near and dear to my heart. It always has been, has been for, 15 years. Um, so the UBF is, uh, we're, we're, we're well underway on doing stuff like that. We've got, we've got conversations. Uh, we're trying to get some partnerships going with the WCRA, uh, with a lot of other great organizations and stuff too. We're trying to pay those bullfighters, you know, as much as what West other Western sports athletes are making, because you can't watch a, you can't watch a freestyle bullfight and say that they don't deserve to be paid as much as what any other athletes getting paid. So that's, that's what I'm here for. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, I I'm still doing the PBRs. I'm, 
I, I don't I don't see that changing anytime soon. <laughs> I, I love working with those guys. I love working with Richard, Brad, Scott, Matt Merritt. Like that's those guys are my family, man. Uh, I like you know every once in a while I get called once or twice a year to go do a Unleash the Beast event and. I love getting to go up there and do it to get to be part of that, those guys, you know, to, to fill in or cover for, for whatever reason, but it, it, uh, it, it means a lot to get to go do that. But, but my home's uh, the velocity tour. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's a good group. And, um, and, and I just like the, the theory behind the velocity tour. It's, you know, it, it trains the next group, you know, uh, and that's, you know, that, that's something that, that I think bull riding needs. I think that's something that everybody needs, you know, we got to have somewhere, for those guys to go and to get better at, you know, not, not just throw them to the wolves, you know, just because you win an event here or there, you know, you got to go get on the best bulls in the world. Like you got to train for this shit, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta have somewhere to, to make yourself better. And I what, think Velocity Tour does that. And that's, that's what we're to do. One of the things Richard mentioned was, was your timing with the music. And uh, he, he mentioned the metronome where for you being so knowledgeable on the music side of things, you can fit in, on the announcing side to the music better than some other guys and, and, and no offense to the other guys, but, but your, your knowledge of the music is an advantage for you on the announcing side of things. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call it an advantage, but I'd say it's something that I can use. Like, yeah, I mean, for fuck's sake, listen to me, you know, I sound like a, I sound like a 12 year old hillbilly from Alabama, like my <laughs> accent, is my accent. But one thing, that, one thing that I got drilled into my head is, always be yourself always be real like you hear announcers like you guys have heard it rodeo announcers I- any type of announcer they put on this big dog and they try to talk like this <laughs> hey, how the hell are you well but when all reality like who the fuck talks like that you know what i mean and like you got to talk to people like i've always looked at it like i want somebody to I, i'm gonna listen to somebody that's actually talking to me like a human being and and not somebody that's talking to me like a used car salesman. Uh, and, and there's some people like, and I'm not, you know, if you sound like that, like I'm not saying that you're doing it wrong because there's some people that, that talk like that. Like, and that's where that comes from. Like there's some announcers that they hear a guy that lives in South Texas or they hear, you know, Bob Tolman and they're like, Oh, well I got to change my voice to kind of sound like that. no, that's how Bob Tolman talks. Like if you ever talk to him, that's how he is. He is that guy. Uh, you don't have to be that guy. If you're a little squirrely guy from North Carolina, you don't need to be Bob Tolman. You know, you need to just go out there and do your best job. And so I focus more on telling a story, telling stuff. And and I mean, I don't, you're not going to hear me talking or bragging about myself at all. But I think what I do different is, is I focus on, I focus on telling stories. I like to educate people. You know, I want people to know I'm not, I do. They, they give us a stat computer a screen that's that talks about all these guys and all these numbers and all these bulls you ask scott gerber i don't even look at that son of a bitch like it doesn't matter to me like i i want to know what that why that guy's there i want to know what his reason is for riding bulls i want to know what makes that guy tick when i find that out i manipulate it and not saying I don't stretch the truth a little bit because as Bob <laughs> Thomas says, don't ever let the truth away with the story, but I will, I, I like to tell a story. You know, I'm a storyteller and uh, I got to work with Brandon Bates one time before he retired on the PBR. And he said, you got it. You're an orator. He told me that he said, you know what an orator is? I said, no. He said, you're, you're a storyteller. You know, you tell a story. He said, and you tell a story. Good. You tell a story, you know, as good as anybody does. 
tell the story, make people believe it. Uh, and I, and I, you know, I, that guy, you know, that he's the, he's the, uh, he's the, you know, once one minute left on the clock, you know, he's the, he's the fourth quarter guy. Um, when it comes to telling stories, you know, the last round of the PBR finals, like that guy will make you believe, you know, uh, and, and that's what I want to do. Uh, that's, that's what I like doing. And I use music to my advantage, like not to get off tangent, but I use music to my advantage because I know a lot of, I listen to a lot of music. Um, and I know a lot of music and I can just feel when music is coming and music is so powerful. Like there are so many people that, that don't utilize music. Um, and you'll see me like, like if I'm doing an event by myself, I'll say, I'll say some, you know, asinine shit or whatever. And then I'll, I'll let the music roll because the music is the, so like there's a, there's an announcer. Sometimes there's two announcers. There's a clown entertainer and then there's music. There's four parts. You know, it's, it's not, it's not just the announcer. It's not just the clown. You know, it doesn't have to be this, Oh, well, it's my turn to do this thing. It's not, it's my turn to do that thing. Like the music is the music's the thing that ties it all together. Uh, and I just, I like to get out of the way and let that, let the music do its do its work sometimes. And, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if it works or not, but, but I enjoy doing it. <laughs> is like the UTB, is that like a goal for you to end up being one of the main guys on that level? Or are you happy with the, the velocity tour or kind of where, what's your mind at on that? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy with where I am right now. Um, I, I like getting to go do them. I'm not saying if, if, you know, if, if Clint or Matt got to go on and do something amazing or something better that, that if they called and asked me to do it, I would, I would, I'm not saying I would say no, but you know, I, I like producing. I like, um, I like putting on shows. I like being a part of that. Um, I could see myself going and, and being part of the production crew just as quick as going and announcing just because I, I like it and, mm-hmm. and I enjoy it and I, and I think I'm good at it. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think maybe, you know, maybe one day, but you know, the, the world's crazy. You never know what mm-hmm. happens. So I, I don't know. I, I like where I'm at. I like, I like being able to go everywhere. You know, I like coming up to Canada. I like going to Australia. So I, you know, I, I like bouncing around. Oh, and this has been great, man. So just to wrap things up, what is your definition of cowboy shit? <laughs> we've, been, we've been walking around it around like all night. <laughs> uh no cowboy shit man that's uh you know that's <laughs> i've been i've used that term for for 10 years cowboy shit is uh cowboy shit is just like it's it's rhetorical cowboy shit for for a guy like you for a guy like ted for a guy like me that's that's no brainer it's it's easy like uh no big deal cowboy shit is uh that's what we do we wake up in the morning we're gonna do what we need to do uh talking about telling stories that other people wouldn't believe. Uh, but that's what we do on a weekly basis. That's cowboy <laughs> shit. Um, you know, literally, I mean, going places, you know, going and seeing everything that the world has to offer before you're 30 years old, that's cowboy shit. I, you know, I think, I think doing what you love for, for a living and getting paid for it and um, never having to work a day in your life, that's cowboy shit. Um, and I, I think, uh, I, I think you guys understand that. I think everybody that listens to this, I think they understand that. And, uh, I think everybody should try to have a little bit of cowboy shit in their life every <laughs> single day because, uh, that's the real stuff. So that's a good quote. I think everybody could use a little cowboy shit in their life. Try to have a little <laughs> cowboy shit in their life. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this today, Luke. This was awesome, man. I sure appreciate it. We've been talking about doing this for a long time and we, uh, 
we've got a song from you that we're going to throw into this show as well. It's called Cowboy Shit. It's uh, it's one that we uh, haven't got one that you said you haven't got finished yet, but uh, but eventually we're going to get that, and it's going to be the theme song of the show. So some exclusive track. From someday LK. we're going to get that done. So look forward to it. But thanks for your time today. This was a, a lot of fun, man. Never been played anywhere. World premiere. You, World premiere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So enjoy. Uh, this is Cowboy Shit by Mr. Luke Coppin. Thanks again, man. This has been uh, been a lot of fun. Thanks for thanks for doing it today. Across the border in the year of our 16. The people of Columbus still hear him riding through their dreams. He killed 17 civilians, you could hear the women scream. Blackjack person on a dancing horse was waiting in the wings. Tonight we ride. Tonight we ride. We ride. Tonight we ride. He'll skin old Pancho Villa, make shafts out of his hide. Shoot his horse, Ciete Lewas, and his 27 brides. Tonight we ride. Tonight we ride. <laughs> Tonight we ride. Well done, Ways. Thanks again to our guest this week, uh, Luke Coffin, for being on the show. That's uh, that's one of those fun tunes that uh, that Luke, I've heard him play a couple times. Being in uh, one, one that I really remember was Winnipeg. We were in Winnipeg, probably, I guess it would have been like, oh shoot probably 19 20 or 18 maybe maybe it was like fall of 18 or winter of 19 or some shit like that i don't know but we remember being up in the the radisson in winnipeg downtown just across from the mts place like just two doors down we stayed up there like all night had a huge hotel party it was a pretty fun time that was one of the parties i remember with luke he had a guitar i think he went i think he went to long McQuaid and got like some like almost ukulele kind of thing for like or maybe a pawn shop he bought some guitar and then he had it. We he, we put it in like a road case and just sent it around the whole year for <laughs> for the tour. It's awesome. pretty sweet. It was a lot of fun. So that's a good one from that Luke. One he likes to cover from. Uh, from Tom that's a Russell. good one. That's a good one for like when you're at a group of people together to like <clears throat> to rip. Yeah, right. Because everybody knows the word. But like, I wonder what the solution on the hotel party parties is. Like, how do we get away with hotel parties? Like in the future, I guess. When there's not as many people around for the first little bit, we can really. Did you party. see what happened to the Washington Capitals? They got pee pee slot for having hotel parties. Yeah, but I'm boys. talking like I'm talking like in a while, like maybe like later this year. Maybe there. I feel well. I feel like I feel place. like when it gets to the point where we're back on the road, um, in hotels that we'll it won't. Everyone be will be there. So yeah, we, we can't get away with it. Okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. Okay, so let's talk about some uh, snowboarding. I I got to get out for the first time in a long time. Uh, back on the Fridays ago i was freaking pumped i i missed that shit it was it's been a while we got to bring the ski race back i think waste it was uh 
I'm starting to miss that thing after a couple of years off. It's, it's so nice just to be in the mountains. I, like, I don't like whatever activity it is, but like, I love, like nothing beats a nice ski day. Like a bluebird ski day kicks ass. Like I want once that's all I've been jonesing for all season. I've only been twice, but still both, they haven't really been bluebird type days, but that's all I want is just to go, go shred on. And that's nice too. After like a nice bluebird day, just post up on the patio, have some beers. It's mm-hmm. nice and sunny. Now it's good. Well, we- I, I, we're so fortunate to have so many nice like um, ski hills at our disposal in Calgary. I got the plus card so we can go get uh, dialed in here. I got the plus card and the sunshine card. Oh, look at you go. Well, we'll get it. We'll get it dialed in here. Waste after we're back from. uh, Yeah. It's a, it's a fun activity. It's, it's, it's one of it's one of the few things we can do. Like we're so restricted. Like we basically all we can do is go to the ODR or go to the Mm -hmm. mall or go skiing. Yeah. And I mean, like that's me, that's me being like, like there's obviously you can come up with other shit to do, but there's only so much you can do, right? But. So we'll have to do a boys ski trip here one of these days. Oh, Bully, we'll get you dope. get you down when you get it get a chance. We'll uh, go to Fernie. Fernie's the best. Fernie, I heard on the radio they weren't. Let's go. The Alberta plates out there though, so maybe we don't want to get mugged in Fernie, but we'll see. They could yeah. suck it. Yeah, no shit. Literally, bringing them fucking fuck business. Because well, that happened in the summertime in Invermere. People like who own property in Invermere with Alberta plates were getting like their shit sabotaged. Like, fuck that. Yeah, that's yeah. brutal. Just people are literally investing money into your local economy as homeowners or landowners, and you're fucking vandalizing. Like, they're one of the main reasons why your town is what it is. It's probably those guys and, who played in that tournament waste. Probably, probably those just guys. fucking skids. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I like I don't have time for like scumbags and shit like that. Like I don't know, dude. Not a fan. Wacy is not a fan. Not up in here. Nah, hell no. I got no uh, time for that. Yeah. So let us know when you can come down, Foley. It'd be a good time. Be good, right? Oh, yeah. we'll, we can do we'll, uh, we'll, we can do a team we'll party. Cowboy shit team ski day. There you go. Uh I got another one from the other day from our last show. So on YouTube, uh Brain Stew by Green Day was ended up being blocked in Syria, Cuba, Iran, and North Korea. Thought that was interesting. I maybe, the, maybe they don't like the lyrics or something. Yeah. What do you what What do you think it is? This is is this some little bit of communism with the with the music? I would assume that maybe there's a sprinkle of communism involved in, or maybe like in why like, uh, green like like Green Day doesn't have like the rights to play music there. Or I don't know. No clue, man. Hmm. Not ideal. I don't see. I don't see anything about. Uh, the lyrics? the lyrics, the lyrics don't seem wrong, but I don't know why that. I don't know why those those countries they all kind of could have be that they're just not licensed to like sell their music or have their music played there. Maybe I don't. I don't know how the music industry. That's a good question for one of our future guests down the line. We'll have to ask. Have to ask him. But like, if that's the case, then why wouldn't everybody be blocked there? Maybe just Green Day is blocked in those countries for some reason. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. How? <laughs> what have like you guys? Ever, what have you guys thought yeah. of the uh, NHL firing back up the first couple of weeks? It's kind of we're kind of oh. deep into that now. I uh, I wish that Edmonton was not two and four as they are today. That we're uh, we're filming or we're Fuck recording. Fuck the Oilers! Fuck the Oilers! You don't say that. <laughs> Fuck the Oilers! No, no, I'm gonna nothing, I'll, man. I'm gonna mute you. You might. An Oilers, an Oilers loss is as good as a Flames win in my books. Well, especially right now because it's a, like a four point swing. Even just it? in any life, like I just hate the Oilers. Bully, who do you cheer for? You're a Leafs fan for the Leafs. I'm oh, a Leafs you are fan, a Leafs yeah. fan. Oh, you weirdo. Yeah, I've uh, I've suffered. I don't know if we can continue this life, relationship. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah. see, is it worse that Foley's a Leafs fan or that I'm an Oilers fan? Uh, 
It's worse that you're an Oilers fan. <laughs> I prefer I prefer the Leafs a bit more over the Oilers. I like. I feel like if I was Cassian right now and I I tuned into the podcast and I heard a guy that's I'm irrelevant in the hockey world in the grand yeah, scheme of things. Irre- irrelevant, but like if I was listening to a podcast and this guy's chirping me, and I was driving my. Uh, Maserati. He probably, he probably drives a Ford and, Focus hatchback because he's fucking whatever. Yeah, he's a Harley yeah. man. Yeah, and I'm like, this guy's chirping me. I'm making four mil a year. Who gives a shit? Just give him one of these. Yeah, play on. yeah like, exactly. Here you yeah. go, buddy. Have fun in school, you piece of shit. Yeah, that's exactly. He hey, then that's, <laughs> that's fine. What he said. That's what he's saying back. Yeah, they're gonna have. They're Anderson not. They're not. They're not gonna have fun guy. in the playoffs at the Edmonton this year. They're fucking. This guy doesn't know shit guys. about fuck. So I don't care. If you could, if you could be any. If you could be a pro athlete in any sport, do we ever Golf. go over this? What, what you'd Golf. be a golfer? Yeah. What about you, Teddy? Golfer, Ooh. I'd be a relief pitcher in baseball. <laughs> like a closer. closer? You, to, you pitch every like one every like one every three games, at most two innings. Man, the starters are five every five games, aren't they? Yeah, so an ace would be decent too, but you gotta throw, but you have too much pressure on the aces. Yeah, a- aces Bugger up your that. arms. Oh man, I'm I don't B- know. I don't know. I'm DH. I'm DH in the big leagues. Oh yeah, chewing tobacco, big poppy spits, style. Sometimes making, playing first base, <laughs> make it make it thirty mil a year. Yeah. Oh man, like si- signing autographs, yakking bombs. I guess yeah. who who uh, who does the best? Is it is it baseball? Are they the biggest yeah. contracts? Does it? Those are the biggest contracts. I think the NBA and NFL have crazier contracts. Like there, yeah, you yeah. have like be- you have bench, is you have fifty mil a year for ten years. That's you have like bench wild. players in the NBA that make um like over ten million holy yeah like yeah, danny green yeah. and stuff like those like that guy played for the raptors like he was a bench player and he was making and he's making like over 10 with Jesus. the lakers um, yeah but you actually have to be an athlete though for sure but i'm like mm-hmm. the, the, but when you it comes be to John like high paid contracts and just rocking mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. a pro golfer would be dope man yeah but i'm saying being a baseball player like what what other league can you play in and actually be a part of the game but sometime during the game sneak away down into the dugout go to the bathroom crush a hot dog crush a hot dog and then come back and sit on the bench and nobody would know that you left and you're getting 30 mil i'm not disagreeing with you then you gotta go to like on a normal season those guys have 160 fucking games that shit's a little bit absurd that's half the year have you guys ever heard of like the fan like the like the baseball game challenge where you have to go like as a fan you go and watch and every inning you have a hot dog and a beer so nine hot dogs and nine beers Oh God! That challenge—I want to—that's on my bucket list. I want to go do that. So, but just try it, see if I can do it. I don't know about that one. It'd be fucking know. awesome. We said uh, be so funny. We uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about? Are we just gonna wrap the show up? You guys Fuck happy? Weather suck. Hey, you don't say that. Uh, yeah, you guys good? We just roll on. We've got a good show here. We can call it good and. Yeah, that's it's good. Thanks, yeah. Luke. That was awesome. It was a fun interview. Yeah, thanks to Wacy for uh, for uh, shitting on the Oilers. Fuck you. I will, man. Well, uh, we'll you guys get far and away the worst goalie in the division. Far and away. Okay, I, I gotta, I gotta talk about that too, because like, why, why does it look like Koskinen is like is lazy in the net? It looks like he's like he'll like go down and he'll like saunter his way back up, or he kind of like move. He looks like he moves slow, and then he plays so far back in his crease too. Like I'm he's trying I'm to leverage his. Like, I, yeah, that's the thing with the, the big guys. They like preach like playing deeper in your net as a bigger person. Like you watch make- Markstrom play, he plays pretty deep because just because like when it comes to like everything down lower, that's easier to like make it your seals that way. 
Mm-hmm. And then you don't want to get caught too, like challenging too far. Right. Cause like everything's like all about the NHL nowadays is getting the goalies moving. Cause like goalies are so good at initial shot now. Mm-hmm. So you want to be deep in your crease. So your movements, you're traveling less distance and you can get those, like have a better opportunity to get those passes. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I, I, I don't see you at the people, like the Oilers gent, like, brass or whatever season cost him because he's bad like some of the goals well, i've seen him let in this probably, season are fucking bad it probably wasn't them it was probably well surely it was his last deal so they're probably just trying to make the best of a situation where this but is they were in on markstrom this is his last year isn't it yeah but they probably couldn't afford and holpe they were in on markstrom and holpe though but they probably holpe said no to the oilers well, Hol- holpe's making the holpe's you know? making the same amount of, amount of money as as uh koskinen is koskinen's four million i thought hopey hopey was two million I think no, he's four. He's four point. He's four point two. You sure? Yeah, over two, over two years or one year? I think, I think so. I think it, I think he's I think he's making four per year. No, you're fucked, yeah. man. This goes I to show Wacy's what Wacy knows about hockey. Ooh, what bird. do you mean, Ted? <laughs> you're fucking the most part-time fan of anybody. Uh, you have no allegiances, and then you're, you're just because you like Chris I, Russell. Now you're a like, Oilers fan. It's kind of like. Uh, it's kind of like. Yeah, you're right. So 4.3 a year. Yeah, so, fuck you guys. Salary Shove that up your hoop, hey, you idiots. Try to, hey, just calm down. Don't fuck up your microphone over there, okay? You're me- me- messing up some... No, you guys are attacking me, calling me an idiot. This is interesting. So this cat friendly is pretty slick. So yeah, 8.6 over two years. And then Demko is probably still on a, on an ELC, isn't he? I think he's like yeah. Mm, yes, I don't know. He might be like at a one or two million con dollar contract, like be, you, just you, out of visit. Like he's still a UFA. Um, but Koskinen, so yeah, Koskinen's making the same money, but but they they can't. Edmonton couldn't get couldn't pay fucking nine million dollars for two goalies. That's part of the thing too. Uh, is that they couldn't? They're paying they couldn't six right now for two goalies, which is. Is crazy. I don't I don't know I don't know man they were they were in on all these goalies and they didn't end up getting on them and it's showing right now. That's all Projected I'm trying to say. Cap space zero dollars. Uh, yeah. So what do we got here? We've got Stuart Skinner is is seven is yeah seven eighty four. Then you've got Mike Smith one point five. So yeah, they're six million on two goalies. But I don't know. I don't know what to say, man. Quite the time. Quite the time to be alive. Are we still? Are we still thinking the same people to make the, the playoffs out of the Canadian Divisional? I had. I got. I got Montreal, Calgary, Toronto, and then it's going to be between Winnipeg and Vancouver for the fourth spot. Yeah, I think you're off on that too. Because I think Vancouver's way far. I think Vancouver's even further behind Edmonton, man. I think you're. Mm, I, 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 Calgary, I, I, I Vancouver's defensive pieces and their goaltending can bounce back and be better you, than those. You changed from like a week ago. I, I was wondering how you still fell. I didn't, I didn't mean to like totally switch it up, but like... Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I think right now after the first couple of weeks of the season. After the first couple weeks. So, because yeah. you had you had, you had had Toronto, Calgary, and I think you had Edmonton and Vancouver. You didn't have Montreal or Winnipeg in there, and now you do. Well, I say, well, like the top three of the division is going to be solid, I think, now, after what I've saw from the first couple of weeks. First it's five been, games. So you think, yeah. you think Montreal's right up there? They're good, man. They're a good team. They weren't in your list even before. We could go back and like we can we can double check this and see how much you've changed. But like it was you didn't even well, have yeah, that was before the season. What I saw. <laughs> All right. But do right. you think this? Oh, they're just still gonna make it? 
Ah, it's pretty early, man. We were the only reason they win, the only time they win there's games 50, is when McDavid scores a fucking hat trick. There's 50 games left. There's 50 games <laughs> left. That's false because he hasn't had, hadn't, hasn't had a hat trick yet this year. The yes, he did. In the second game, he did. Okay. Right on. I've right been on. too busy cheering on Logan Beaver. Yeah, how about that guy doing good, eh? Hell yeah. Good for I'm him. I'm fired up. Glad to see him doing good. It's... uh. Yeah, been a good year been a good little uh winter for the kids so far eh yeah i'm i'm pumped on yogi man he uh he rides good and and uh when i texted him a couple weeks ago he said uh he said he either was going to stay in canada and be a semi-retired bull rider or else he was going to go for it this year oh really why would he be fucking semi-retired that's kind of a good there's no events because there's no events right i guess so i guess going down he's going down to make the best of it why not? Yeah. He's in his prime. But do you guys do you guys think we're gonna have anything for a 2021 season in Canada? We're gonna have some more stuff in the second half of the year. Not as much the first half. But we'll what about see. um okay, so like PBR I think is more likely to go, but what about the rodeo side? Rodeo? Yeah, I don't no. know what to say about that. I'm not gonna say much on the rodeo side. And McDavid only had a hat trick against Vancouver. He only got an assist against Toronto the second win. So whatever, man. One time. You didn't even know he had a hat trick, so <laughs> yeah, I I uh didn't know that. So good game, man. This is crazy amount of money. I proved you guys. Right? I proved you guys wrong. I proved you wrong twice now. You call me on my hockey. How about how about his signing bonus this year is thirteen million dollars. His base salary is a million bucks, so his total salary is actually fourteen million dollars. It's a hundred million dollar contract that he signed. That's nuts. You compare that to like other sports and their superstars. It's like fucking pennies. It's He's hardly like Patrick, at Patrick all, Mahomes eh? is fifty mil a season. A season, yeah. So Patrick Mahomes makes the same in two years as McDavid made in eight. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? What do you think he's getting in endorsements though? Like that, that can't be that much, really. I bet you his doing. endorsements are worth like close to five mil. I bet. Oh, really? That much more? I think so. Jeez, I didn't. Because Crosby, his first year in the league, he was making an extra like two and a half mil off of his endorsements on top of his like entry level contract, like oh, really? through Gatorade and Reebok. Damn. I didn't realize that. McDavid was making 2.8 million in his first couple contracts as performance bonuses. That's mm-hmm. crazy. He made eight and a half million on performance bonuses, and his total salary was only 2.7. It's actually mm-hmm. the biggest cap. That's mm-hmm. wild. Yes, yes. Interesting stuff. Um, Wait, we don't we don't need to bore the people with those intricacies yeah, of our enough. conversation. All right. Thanks again to Luke Coppin for being on the show this week. This has been episode 83 of Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted co-host for all 83 shows so far Wacey Anderson our guest host James Foley thanks again our editor Sean Morton appreciate it see you guys next time